This episode of the Tokenet Podcast is brought to you by our wonderful Patreon supporters. We would like to thank Tokolectibles, CS Toys, and Ryugen Urobuchi. If you would like to hear your name at the beginning of each Tokenet podcast, consider pledging to our Ultra Tier or higher by visiting patreon.com forward slash the Tokunet. And welcome to the 41st episode of the Tokunet Podcast. Woo! Woo! Yay! <laughs> I love the energy in the room. <laughs> I'm Nicole, and I'm the host today. But I am also joined by some amazing ladies to talk about the women of Tokusatsu. So we have Kitty... Hello, long time no see, friends. Yes, it has been a long time. Mars Girl. Hey, how's it going? Thank you for having me. Of course. And Lynx. Hello. I am so glad to have you wonderful ladies on this podcast, especially for what we're going to be talking about. And as I said earlier to everybody, no holds bar. I want to make sure we get into the good stuff when we talk about the women of tokusatsu. Mm-hmm. Does that sound aye, good aye. to you guys? Sounds yeah. great. Okay, so why don't we start in a little slow. How did you all get into tokusatsu? Like, what was your first show? What drew you into tokusatsu? Do you want to start, Kitty? Sure. I first got into tokusatsu because of Paula and Tokunet. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Like, It was genuinely something very like this, where they were, uh, I think it was like Yaz, Tom, and uh, someone else were sitting around saying, okay, we're doing, uh, you know, we're reviewing a show, we need female input. And I was the only person available. (laughs) And I was like, but guys, I've never done, I've never seen a single thing. Like Power Rangers, does that count? Yes, Uh, of course. Hot button (laughs) issue, I'm well aware. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, they were like, perfect, you're the noob, it's great. And so my first tokusatsu show uh, that wasn't Power Rangers was uh, Kamen Rider Drive, Ooh. which was interesting. And yeah, it's kind of been the thing ever since. My shtick is I don't know a lot about tokusatsu, and especially now, I think the last thing that I watched was Yojer. I haven't kept up with it since I stopped doing the podcast, if I'm honest. <laughs> I, I okay. do, Yeah, I mean, I do enjoy it, but um, I just have so many other things that I keep up with. And no, I totally so, understand. It's kind of like, yeah. you're good for like a, kind of an outsider perspective in, exactly. in a way. Yeah. It's, it's how I maintain my noob status. I only <laughs> like, I only consume occasionally. Hey, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. You don't have to be hardcore into tokusatsu. That's for it's sure. okay as long as the podcast view- podcast viewers don't come at me when I forget names <laughs> consistently. <laughs> I forget names all the time, but that's typically like I'll I'll watch stuff and I'll decide you know what this wasn't for me, and then I don't retain name information because oh, I struggle. It wasn't non-stop. important to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like. I feel like I need to make it clear. 
it doesn't really matter what I'm watching. I never remember the name until it's like the 12th time that I'm rewatching it. And then I can be like, oh, yeah, that's the name. (laughs) Otherwise, I have to take notes. (laughs) (laughs) That's too funny. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, Yeah. Lynx, how did you get into tokusatsu? Oh, my goodness. So you're all fresh. You're young. You've just found it. It's new. (laughs) From the first toku I saw... We're, we're, we're going back to the 1980s, and this mm. is the, the early days of cable, when people are like, mm. oh my god, we have, we have 30 channels. What do we even put on that many channels? To give you an idea of how long ago it is. Well, right. it turns out in that era, in syndication, there was a lot of dubbed Japanese material, just cheap anime dubs, just all kinds of stuff. And they would just run it to fill time. And... I've tried to research this. I couldn't figure out if it aired on Nickelodeon or USA Network, which both ran a lot of really bad B-movies. But on one of those channels, <laughs> I saw Gamera. Oh. I saw, and it's, it's, it's one of the episodes that was on Mystery Science Theater later, and you can't get now because the distributor won't let them have the movie, but it's the one where Gamera fights the monster with the giant knife head. Right, right. Yes. I've actually seen that Mystery Science Theater episode, yeah. Oh, it's a great episode. It's so but good. yeah, when I first saw it, I'm like I'm like a wee little thing. And, you know, Gamera's fighting this crazy knife dog and there's this insane plot going on with alien ladies and this kid loses his hair and the dub is completely insane. And I love that <laughs> stuff. I would tune in to, like, random cable channels in the middle of the day just hoping to see something like that. Uh, Another one I know I saw in that era was a movie that we called Super Inframan in the U.S. Oh, yes. Which is not actually Japanese, but I will always argue it's it's a tokusatsu by, like, proxy. Uh, It's a Shaw Brothers film that's very just, like, we watched a bunch of Kamen Rider and we really wanted to do something like that. And Super Inframan, it, oh, it's wonderful. You have to see it if you haven't. But I saw those two movies. And then I saw some more tokusatsu much later. Well, like, we're talking like 88, 89, uh, when most cable packages were getting the comedy channel, so you're getting Mystery Science Theater. And they mm. had rights to all the Sandy Frank stuff. And yeah, you know, the riffs were funny. I just liked the stuff like for the weird planet of the apes one and star wolf like the one with the forklift song i was just like i wonder what the rest of those shows are like mm. and it sort of hit critical mass in 93 because i've i i actually looked at the date for this i'm pretty sure the first time it aired on fox i had just turned 13 way too old to be watching any of this stuff but like a lot of nerds slowly coming to terms with the fact that i was never going to let this go So I'm watching Fox Kids, and, you know, I didn't know what a Power Rangers was. Like, there had been no advertising, no anything. They just showed this, and I could tell, oh man, this is is one of those Japanese shows. This is is like Gamera. They added all this stuff with Americans. This is kind of, this is kind of weird. This is fun. I wonder what it was like before they changed it. And Mm -hmm. at that point, I was old enough to get on the internet and get into tape trading and start tracking down Japanese seasons. And anyway, it's like 20 years later, and I'm like this, so not recommended. Avoid it. <laughs> no, you'll never be a real adult. <laughs> Amen to that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mood. 
<laughs> yeah, I know, right? That is way too relatable. Um, how about you, Mars Girl? Uh, kind of in a similar vein. I was actually the target age range for Power Rangers, and at the time, America had seen very little like it before. Uh, we had, what, the, the parody dub of, of what, Dynaman before it? Yeah. And, like, it only um, got... It only picked up so much steam, you know, but nothing had been Ultraman marketed. had aired dubbed. Ed, and Ultraman I've heard did, yes. Ultra 7, but I can't confirm if that was before Power Rangers. And eventually we would get, like, Ultraman Tiga, you know, oh, which to, to me, that also <laughs> came off as, like, a parody <laughs> dub. And that one was really obvious, oh, this is Japanese. But, um, like, I did watch these American adaptations on TV, and it only took, you know, getting older to realize, wait a minute, like, this American footage doesn't match up with this fight footage, something's not quite right. Um, then comes this realization, yes, this does in fact come from someplace else. So, uh, of course, my launch point is like, well, I want to see where Mighty Morphin came from, because I was the target age range for Mighty Morphin when it aired. Um, mm. So I go straight to Ranger, which I'm like, oh, this is this is incredible. Like, the, it's a really shallow story, but this is friggin' amazing. Um, and then in similar vein, following not long after that, well then, well, what about Masked Rider? That was a hot mess, but but if if Jew Ranger is this good, then then what about Mast Rider? You know, come to find out, oh, they took it from Common Rider Black RX. But wait, that didn't start with Black RX. Like like that's a sequel series to something else. It's a sequel series to Black. So I start with Black and then move through Black to Black RX and just I fell absolutely in love with like that kind of time frame, the late 80s to early 90s kind of time frame uh, of these shows. Uh, just just an incredible point in time in Tokusatsu history where we're starting to get uh, some technical uh, computer-generated special effects, but you're still really deep in practical effects. Just what a great time. What a great time to get into it. Yeah, I can agree. That's a, in my mind, that's kind of an era where tokusatsu gets refined. You know, mm -hmm. they finally pick up kind of, maybe not a formula, but they kind of get an idea of how they want to make these shows, you know, appeal to the audience more. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, to really pick up on what uh, Mars Girl was saying, MMPR was the kind of cultural phenomenon where, like, every geek and nerd at the time watched all of it. No matter what yeah. they claim otherwise, everyone mm -hmm. was watching it because we hadn't had a lot of shows with an actual kind of a soap opera plot before. And the Green right. Ranger plot, it really grabbed people's imaginations. Mm -hmm, and a totally. lot of people kept watching well until uh, after they had stopped doing the continuity, like uh, my husband, uh, mm -hmm. who was... Obviously not my husband at the time. I was in, like, high school. But I remember when Zio was airing, he, like, I got a phone call. And he was like, oh, my God, did you did you catch Power Rangers today? We know who the Gold Ranger is now. It's Jason. that <laughs> <laughs> Jason. And I was like, oh, my God, I missed it today. You know, it was it was that kind of a show. Right. I think it's kind of unfair also the way that tokusatsu fans once they discover tokusatsu for themselves they'll kind of shun power rangers as if like right. they they didn't 
discover Tokusatsu thanks to knowing what Power Rangers was. Now, that's not necessarily true of people outside of North America. Um, right. It's people in other Asian countries outside of Japan, they obviously, they've, got, they've had a whole lot more access than we ever did. We just so shunned outsider material, you know. Uh, and yes, the Japanese material is amazing, and I think it's totally fair to prefer the Japanese material over Power Rangers, but quite frankly, especially if you are, like, within my general age range between, like, like a three to five year period, I'm, I'm 32 right now, um, and if you're within my target age range, then you probably saw Power Rangers first, and then you probably went looking for its source Uh-oh. material later, and you probably wouldn't have been looking for it if it wasn't for Power Rangers to begin with. So it's not not really fair to just kind of throw Power Rangers under the rug as if it it did nothing to us culturally speaking. Oh, absolutely. Totally. Yeah, cuz that is honestly how I got into Tokusatsu. So how I got into Tokusatsu is of course my generation was M- MMPR. You know, I just oh, loved yeah. Mighty Morphin so much. I did watch I think a few seasons after that. But I know, you know, I got older, I kind of fell off from it, you know, because it wasn't quote-unquote cool anymore, mm-hmm. even though I still liked it. But then later on in college, I saw clips of Gokaiger, and I was like, oh my god, I remember, like, I loved Power Rangers, this has all these different rangers in it, so I had to explore more, and that's that's just what happened, is I just deep-dived into tokusatsu from there, because I had such fond memories of loving Power Rangers, and I definitely can thank Power Rangers for that. I I am one of those people that does prefer to you know Sentai over Power Rangers. Sure, that me too. Mean, yeah, but that doesn't mean Power Rangers is bad, and I don't give it credit for influencing a generation of people. But I will never stop saying morphitudinous if for no other reason <laughs> that people forget that the word morphitudinous was uttered. It is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh serious. That is that's that's the funny. 90s for you, you know. I loved it. I mean, I like I was also the kid like I I you know, I'm a little younger than Mars Girl but barely. And like I remember my mom thought that Power Rangers was too violent. Mm. And so the only time that I got to watch it like my two best friends, both boys, they were both the Red Ranger. I wanted to be the Yellow Ranger. And my mom wouldn't let me, and I wasn't allowed to watch the show. But every time that I went to get my hair cut at Kids Cuts, they had Power <laughs> Rangers on. I was like, oh yes! And I was so hyped. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, discovering, like, what Sentai was, especially, like, Kamen Rider, I was like, okay, what is this? Especially with Kamen Rider Drive. Yeah. Like, another unique. story. Yeah. But, um... Then kind of finding out, like, oh, wait, but Sentai. Like, like Sentai, I feel like, was what kept me coming back, I think, a lot of the time. Like, Power Rangers is so good. And- I feel like <laughs> I have kind of reversed that mentality, personally. It used to be the Sentai that I was coming back to all the time. And I mm-hmm. think I have traded off for Kamen Rider, quite honestly. Um, although, yeah. I, I just, I wish other studios were producing other things more, too. Because Toei has this, like, harsh grab on this this market. Um, mm-hmm. Ultraman, yeah. however, I'm so glad Ultraman has come back in recent years and really yeah. given us a really good solid foothold for, for an alternate uh, piece of media for kids. And, of course, their parents alike 
to to kind of embrace again. Yeah, I can agree to that. Speaking of, you know, all these different, you know, kind of like diversity in Toku when it comes to different types of shows, different companies producing them. Um, out of everything you guys have seen, who is your favorite female character from them? And why do you like that character? Um, let's see who to uh, start with. Yeah, if, you know what, just throw it out. If you got, I know it's picking like your favorite child, but... Okay, so I'll, I'll do one. Okay, so uh, I like... Peggy Matsuyama, who is Momo Ranger of Go Ranger. So that's yes. the very first Sentai series. And the reason why I like her so much is because, like, this is... What a strange thing that it's it's the 1970s in Japan. And mind you, this is a, a girl that's wearing go-go boots and booty shorts. <laughs> However, um, despite the fact that she looks halfway sexualized, her, her character, her behavior... Um, the way she's otherwise written, like, totally doesn't sexualize her in any way. It doesn't treat her as any less of a member of the team. She's an amazingly capable and competent character. And part of what helps, mind you, is that Go Ranger is so old that there's not a whole lot of toy gimmicks in there yet. Like, they don't have a transformation device. They're just, they just suddenly show up and they're wearing costumes. There's no things that do things to enhance them. So she's just all badass all on her own, and she's the pyrotechnics member of the team. So she's right. creating explosives. Um, there's a whole huge arc where, where she, like, thinks she's not really enough for the team, even though she totally is, and she gets all kinds of super special awesome training, and she just comes off looking like a total badass, and she's... She's not looked on as the female member. She's just another member of the team. And I, I, again, I just think it's really impressive for the time and the place that this show was made. I can agree. I haven't watched Go Ranger in full, but I have researched her in particular, and I loved how they characterized her. You know, mm -hmm. she was still a woman with her own personality, and at the time, I think she was mixed race. Like, the character, I don't know if she was, but the character was supposed to be mixed race, I believe. Uh, definitely Karen of Jaka was. So the following the following season, she was mixed race. It's, I just think it's funny that both Peggy and Karen, like, they've chosen Western names for both of these characters in the first yeah. two seasons here. Um, and I don't believe Peggy was... Uh, well, okay, you know what? You are kind of right. Like, I'm looking at the wiki right now <laughs> to make sure I've got the information. But Peggy, yeah, her father was a Swiss national and her mother was Japanese. So actually, that's super interesting. The mm -hmm. first two seasons, yeah, you've got mixed ethnicity uh, female character. Like, it's it's shocking how progressive that series was for being 1970s in Japan. Absolutely. I think it provided a good start to how women should be represented in Sentai. I mean, not mm -hmm. necessarily that Sentai is carried over that. Right. <laughs> you know, that's another topic. But it was really great to have such a strong, awesome character like that. Um, how about you, Kitty? Who is your favorite female character? I had to look up her name because reasons. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, the... Yellow Ranger from Tokuger, whose name I had right here is Mio Natsume. Mm -hmm. um, she 
was a character who, like, first of all, I love Tokuger so much. Like, <laughs> I, maybe, I, I've, one of the things that's also been consistent with how I've watched Tokusatsu is I've consistently ended up sick right before I sat down to binge it. Oh, <laughs> and my. so I've usually been, like, some combination of, like, sick and on medicine when I watch it a lot. <laughs> And so this may have, you know, uh, been a part of, like, the heavy weeping at the end of Tokyo that happened for me. But, uh, and the fact that I watched, like, the whole second half in a morning, because reasons. I'm fine, I swear. Um, but uh, her storyline was so delightful for me. Like, Tokyo was a really interesting complex sentai series that there are so many reasons why i love tokyuger but like for her story in particular like they they all all of the characters kind of throughout a lot of the early portions of that season like they very they very much felt like they weren't like complete people mm-hmm. the whole time and, you know, we find out later on that's, you know, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Tokyuger yet, skip ahead, they're children. So, like, we kind of find out, like, that the reason that they feel half-baked is that they are literally half-baked, not even <laughs> yet. And um, the you get this amazing, beautiful moment with her because she's very much ta- has taken on, like, the big sister role. And she has this moment after they find like their hometown that they've been trying to get back to this whole time and trying to remember who they are, where she just like breaks down and cries, like wanting her father. And like you, it's like this amazing, like this culmination of like everything that she's had to give up along the way and how much she's been trying to hold it all together for everybody. And like, it's so emblematic to me of a lot of the stuff that women go through just like every day with how much we is like on our shoulders and how much we just kind of put up with and keep pushing through. And, you know, when we reach our breaking point, whether it's like breaking down crying or like screaming at someone in the street who tried to flirt with us when we didn't want them to, or like something like that. And people just go, what the hell? And people just think we're crazy and they don't understand where it all came from in the first place. Yeah, and so it was like just it was just such a beautiful, vulnerable moment that the actress portrayed beautifully. And like she like at that point she went very much from being like, you know, sort of this caricature because I feel like a lot of the women especially, I mean, all a lot of the the characters in Tokusatsu, but I feel especially a lot of the women tend to be caricatures a lot of the time. Mhm. And that's kind of the style. I get it. But, like, it, it happens so often to the women. And this isn't just in tokusatsu, but, in, like, modern media, just media in general. Women tend to be the love interest, the person that needs to be protected, someone who dies for the sake of the hero's growth. Like, yep. you know, what? Like there are these tropes that so often get fulfilled. And I really felt like she was none of them and it it meant a lot to me to just feel like 
just my everyday experience just represented and out there just like in front of it it was it was so moving and so wonderful see that's a really great point to to bring up about how she kind of portrayed everything that women go through that you know in particular kind of like the negative things that we deal with on a day-to-day basis because not a lot of mass media especially tokusatsu covers Mm -hmm. that and it's so critical to cover those types of stories but they just don't you know, they don't get the spotlight they deserve. Well, Tokusatsu, unfortunately, is uh, catered very directly to young boys. And if young girls are not very well acknowledged, um, certainly not as far as Toei's superhero time block is concerned. And yeah, if, you, right. if you want your girl stuff, then you watch a Precure, which isn't Tokusatsu. Yeah. It's it's anime, yeah. but it's part of that superhero time block, you know. Yeah. it's It's very... There's this very clear line in the sand, boys on this side and girls on this side, and there's, like, nothing really in the middle, so... Right, and even so, like, even if we're, you know, looking at it from the perspective of, like, this is a show that's marketed at boys, how great is it that that's something that we're showing young men growing up, that women have this side to them, and you can't just keep treating them... Like, they aren't people going through things. That's true. Oh, absolutely. Like, how great is that? Yeah, when it finally does get talked about, it really... I think it is impactful. Because don't get me wrong, Precure does have elements of their stories where I think it's really important for girls to look up to and learn from. It doesn't mean that Precure is any less because it's targeted towards, you know, little girls primarily. But it's just the shame that shows targeted towards young boys can't have those stories because mm-hmm, when exactly. they do it's ex- i in my opinion it's extremely successful when they do mm-hmm. it totally is and like and it's something that i can honestly go on about forever and thank goodness we're doing a podcast <laughs> we're kind of I know, right? exactly that shenanigans <laughs> um but yeah like I, it's always been you know one of the things that like you know, my husband and I talk about all the time is how amazing for like non tokusatsu, but like how awesome uh, Steven Universe is. Oh, Number yeah. one, yes, because reasons, but also because the fact that it's a young boy main character, sure, but he's just surrounded by all of these amazing, strong women that he learns so much from along the way and has these really intricate, complex relationships. it's something that like it's gender neutral in its own way but because the main character is a boy there it it can be argued that you know young boys are going to watch this show that's very like pink and purple and not generally the colors that we see associated with things that are aimed towards boys that's true and it's going to bring those boys into that world and help them see a lot more about how, like, sensitivity and following your feelings and, you know, having compassion can be really powerful, wonderful things. Yeah. No, that's a Tokyo that's a really had a lot point. of stuff like that for me. And, and Mio's character in particular, very much a slow burn. But when she has her moment, damn, does she have her moment. And it's just... Tokyo is also probably my favorite Super Sentai and I won't back down from that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's perfectly fine. Um, how about you, Lynx? Who is your favorite uh, female tokusatsu character? I'm going to pick Time Pink, Yuri, from Time Ranger. Oh. Because 
that character had a tremendous impact on me when I found her. Um, she's not completely without precedent in Sentai, but it's like I wouldn't find that out for like 10 years later. I mean, when you're not really in the target audience, but you're of a similar age to the characters, it gets really easy to project yourself onto her. And at the time, I really felt like where she feels like there's so much expected of her. She's trying so hard to do sort of the task that's been set before her. Nothing about her mission has gone right. Like, one of her team members is already dead. Uh, she has to catch all these time criminals and get them back. And the rest of her team could be more helpful. Her most effective guy is a dude from the 20th century. She's not even really supposed to be talking to, but he can use their red equipment, so okay. <laughs> Um, and he's, he's kind of cute. They have a thing, but she knows it's doomed from the start because she has to go back to the 30th century and, and she does actually, it's, you know, spoilers for the ending of Time Ranger. The ending of that show is incredible because it is so sad. It completely is just, yes, she has to go back. They can't be together. The story just makes it beautiful. And the fact that, she, I mean, Time Ranger is a show where you do have one female character, and I think generally you get weaker writing for the female character out of that. Mm -hmm. But right. Time Ranger was uh, a Yasuko Kobayashi series. And she's kind of the living grandmaster of Sentai we have right now. With Time Ranger, I mean, she was just firing on all cylinders. There may be a little bit of autobiography there in Yuri. I mean, I would kind of guess just because... She captures that feeling of, oh man, I am the only girl in the room, and I, I, I have to do so much, and I just, I just cannot screw this up. It, it, for her, it's not enough to just be, oh, I'm going to be a ranger and it'll be great. No, she has to be the best ranger, because she's supposed to be the team leader. And yeah. is one of the few supposed to be a team leader where you really get a strong sense of, yeah... Red is Red. He's the guy who's good at fighting, but she does tend to actually call the shots in a lot of uh, episodes, especially when it comes to arresting the villains, because Time Ranger is one of the oddball series where they don't really explode the bad guys. They're literally arresting them. They, like, blast freeze them <laughs> and shrink them down, and they, like, keep them in storage to take back to the 30th century. So, you know, it's it's kind of nice because other Sentai cops tend to just wander around murdering bad guys. And yeah. I understand why that is, because kids didn't really like Time Ranger that much, but uh, still kind of bothersome. Uh, but no, I really, I really felt Time Pink, and whenever I've gone back to revisit that show, you know, some shows I liked when I was younger, I go back to them and I'm like, I don't know what I saw in this, but with Time <laughs> Ranger, I'm just like, ah, oh, no. No, it it exactly captures the feeling of, uh, at least for me, what it was like to be in my skin in 1999. And, you know, it is a rare and wonderful thing for Sentai to be able to do. Yeah, that's, see, that's the thing. That is her story, though I have not, I've not watched Time Ranger, but from what I know of Yuri, her story being the, the type where she feels like she has to be better than everybody because she mm -hmm. is the only girl and she has these predicaments being on the team mm -hmm. in the story like it's not couched explicitly but mm -hmm. it's i feel it's an extremely strong subtext in the team it's just that she's supposed to be in charge mm -hmm. and her mission has not really gone right right off the hook 
So she's trying to kind of get things back in order. She's a very, uh, she's a very controlled person. She's very by the book. Mm -hmm. And so Time Red, she needs him to get her mission done. Uh, So she has a fifth team member and he's really good at fighting and he knows the 20th century. But on the other hand, he's kind of chaotic. He's a civilian. He just, you know, he fights with his dad. He does what he wants. Uh, He's kind of spontaneous and impulsive. So it's a, it's a very good character dynamic. Yeah, I like that back and forth, too. (laughs) We've seen in Bencha Sentai that have been like that. I just, like, I agree. It's kind of a subtext. It's not really out Mm. there either, but that is a struggle that women genuinely face in whether career or whatever we pursue. is. It's very, whether it's unconscious or we realize it, a lot of women face this fact that to stand out, we have to be better. We have to be the best of the best. Well, and actually, uh, Kobayashi was also the head writer on Tokyuger, so there you go. Ah, there you go. That's that's the connection mm-hmm. on why they're both very good. Huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, now that makes sense. Well, speaking of, you know, our favorite female characters and talking about different series... What tokusatsu series or season do you think had the best or worst representation of women in these shows? So, you know, whether you think one show did it really well and another show didn't do it, just kind of explain that. I know I have these hard-hitting questions. Uh, All right, so I've got one that has, um, and I brought her up a second ago, Karen Mizuki, who is Heart Queen in uh, Jaka Dengeki Tai. She, I think, is both one of the best and one of the worst. And, and I have to explain this because this is such a bizarre circumstance. Because Jaka, this was right before... Um, Jaka almost killed Super Sentai. Because it was not uh, doing so great in the ratings. It was not pushing toy sales. Um, it was very super serious. The first half of it was incredibly super serious. Uh, and I thought it was amazing as I was watching it. And I, I knew as I was watching it that, oh, they, the, the series goes downhill at some point because they cancel it. The, the show gets canceled. Super Sentai almost doesn't become a reoccurring brand thing. Uh, it doesn't, almost doesn't become a franchise. They stop for a few years after Jaka before they pick it back up again. So when we see that, oh no, it's not, it's not getting the ratings, it's not pushing toys, um, Karen initially is is also one of these girls wearing booty shorts and go-go boots. They did that a few times throughout <laughs> the 70s and the 80s before they finally quit doing that. But um, she, her actress um, did all of her own stunts. Uh, she was incredibly talented uh, and just uh, amazingly, like, a fantastic stunt fighter. Just, I don't know what happened to this actress. She seemingly dropped off the face of the planet after a few years. Nobody knows where she is anymore. Mm-hmm. She was great. And she she just, again, her being female wasn't even necessarily acknowledged. But um, you can tell when they decide, all right, it's not making these sales. Uh, there's a, a huge, drastic change in the direction of, of Jaka. They introduce... Uh, Sokichi Banba, who's a big one, super, yeah, big one. The multicolored, like, he's not even, he's not even based on playing cards like the rest of the team is. You know, they're ace, queen, jack, king, and he's rainbows. 
I don't oh, understand. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so Karen gets nerfed, like ridiculously nerfed. She cuts her hair, and she's she's scared of mice. And she serves all the rest of the men tea, and then she gets kidnapped a whole bunch, and she gets drugged and knocked out, and people have to come and save her all the time. She's just not even the same character anymore. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. Like, no wonder this thing got cancelled, because not even Sokichi Bamba could save it. He brings out this cannon that shoots things... Um, shoots like an elephant that then grabs a hold of the monster and then explodes. Like, just the show goes off the rails, loses all theme and identity entirely, and Karen, very sadly, also suffers for it and has just the worst, the weakest person. Why is she, why is she even part of the team anymore? She doesn't do anything anymore. She just is meant to serve the dudes. She's just there to serve the dudes. That's all it's... I, I can't. I just can't. I'm so upset. No, I, she, get it. I get Because it. she was so good. I, if I had, <laughs> could have just hated her the whole time, that would have been one thing. But I'm especially <laughs> mad because I didn't hate her before. I thought she was amazing before. And then she's just a totally different person later. Yeah, that's yeah. totally a shame. Yeah, I, I can agree about the frustration. Because if she already started out that way... It's such a shame that, you know, to get the sales and to get the attention that they want, they had to flip her character so dramatically. It, it was insane. Just, like, I, I absolutely recommend watching Jaka for about the first half of it, and then as soon as you can tell, there's this really stark, you know where it happened. There's there's no hiding where it happened. It, it's when they bring in Sokichi Banba, who was... Also, uh, the blue from the previous season, uh, he was also, uh, Zubat, uh, Kaiketsu Zubat, um, just 80 bajillion different characters throughout Toei's Tokusatsu history. As soon as they bring him in, stop watching. Just stop. (laughs) That, see, that's good to know. That's a warning for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) There's a weird issue. And uh, I've noticed this in a lot of the early early Toei shows. You kind of also see it in contemporary anime where when they're making action shows, it seems like the producers and creators haven't quite figured out like what kind of female characters they should have. Yeah. You'll have a lot of shows that go like hot and cold between, oh, she'll be a huge badass and she'll fight and she'll totally be as good as the guys and it'll be great. And then they'll just like flop, oh, and she's she's a girl. And she, oh, she's timid and scared. She doesn't like violence. She mm. just wants to help. And sometimes you'll have these characters in the same show. Sometimes you'll have, like happened with Jacka, where they'll do a character one way and then clearly some guy walked in and said, that dame ain't being feminine enough. And, you know, he's, <laughs> she needs to make us scared of mice. You know, something like that. Uh, make I'm, her scared of mice. That's what, that's what they did to Karen. My poor Karen. I, I'm, I'm watching Bioman right now, right? And Bioman does this insane thing where, like, their pink is useless. Just completely useless. Like, terrible in a fight. 
uh, constantly like weeping, afraid of things. She just sucks. And then both of their yellows, the first one dies, but even the second one, they're these ridiculous stone badasses. And like yellow mm-hmm. is always bailing out pink, bailing out the whole team, like doing archery tricks to be the only person to like do anything to the villains when they're trying to get their big power up. Because mm-hmm. Bioman gets a mid-season power-up, even though they have no toys for it. It's really... it's If, if you haven't seen Bioman, I, I really recommend it. It's kind of rough at first, but when you get to about halfway through the show, the writing just goes crazy. It's just, the villains get more... Oh, the heroes have to... Oh, we got a new villain! Who's who's Biohunter Silva? Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't actually finished it yet, but uh, it's quite fun. I can see why Sentai really blew up in the 80s if uh, the next few series are going to be like this. I watched uh, Dynaman last year, and I'm, I've decided I'm finally just going to sit down and watch through all the 80s, do it like one episode a week, and that's kind of how I'll be finishing out uh, the decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a re- see, that's a really good point on how the difference between the yellow and the pink rangers usually are in Sentai. Like, I do remember seeing all that information about the first yellow uh by the first yellow ranger bio yeah yellow four yeah the first yellow four is really like sassy like when they try to have her join the team she just like she's like i refuse and just like walks off Mm -hmm. uh and then she dies because of a dumb plot device yeah Uh, (laughs) but then like the second yellow four it seems, oh man, she's she's like some kind of giant hippie or something. And no, she's a mountain girl. Yeah. With a, and she's an Olympic archer. And it's like, they just pick up the way they were going to write the first Yellow Four after like one episode to write her in. And it's it's interesting because you have like that, that hot and cold that Mars Girl described mm-hmm. just in the same show for the whole show. Yeah. 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 And it's like, I, I mean, it's, don't get me wrong. It's great to show women of multiple personalities. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with like a pink ranger being feminine or anything like that. doesn't sure. mean she's mm-hmm. less of a character, mm-hmm. but it's just really strange to flip it hot and cold like that. It's just, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, the, I feel like also you get sometimes like Zyodra, I know they did, they had just two characters who were opposite ends of the spectrum in that regard, where you had, um, oh my gosh, the tiger and the shark girl, which also, Mm. just the fact that they made a girl a shark, to (laughs) me, was so cool. Yeah. You know what? We're just going to have two girls, and they're going to be mostly opposites, but still best friends. And I liked that kind of aspect of it where they tried to balance it by having two such opposites. Like, uh, okay, I'm gonna screw this up. Selena and, yeah, and the tiger girl. Um, and (laughs) I can't, I'm sorry. But, like, I loved how, like, Selena and Leo, like, totally had their rivalry and that their rivalry the rivalry was between like a guy and a girl mm-hmm. and like that they butted heads and were the two strongest ones i loved that i loved that the quiet guy was a guy and not like they not neither of the girls were timid and that like not that there's anything wrong with being timid and representing that in a person or that it makes it any less of a good character. But I loved the fact that we had like representation of strong women who like just, they were never 
like weak. I think we just get a way. lot of timid women, and so seeing I'm so not sick tim- of timid women. Yeah, so seeing not timid women uh, is refreshing because I don't want to. Yeah. Just like everybody else has said, I don't want to negate the validity of the timid character, but at the same time, oh, this one's not timid, unlike ninety percent of the rest of them. That's pretty exactly. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very overused trope. I can mm-hmm. certainly agree with that. In Tokusatsu and in, in media in general. Yeah. Especially I've and you know, maybe this is just me, but especially I feel like in a lot of the Japanese media that I consume, be it anime or Tokusatsu or, you know, dramas, what have you, the the timid woman is something that I'm very much over seeing so much right (laughs) yeah well that actually leads into the next question perfectly because that my next question was what tropes of female characters are you tired of seeing in tokusatsu and i can agree that one is the timid you know female character is really overplayed yeah uh the the woman in service to the main character that um, might not necessarily have her own agency. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, obviously, I mean, main characters got to have other characters to to back them up. It would be really boring if this person was totally and completely alone. But at the same time, a whole lot of, oh, here's somebody's sister, or here's somebody who uh, works a, a service job and... Their point is to have conversations with him sometimes, (laughs) I guess, and and make him like, okay, so you had some good advice. I'm I'm glad you had good advice, but what else do you do? Yeah. What else do you do? That happens a lot. Oh my god. Mm -hmm. That's that's really a writer issue, though. It's it's the weird mm-hmm. thing writer does, where it's like, well, we have to have a female lead. We can't not have. No, she's not gonna fight. She can't have a belt. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, but when she does have a belt, it's still problematic. You know. Well, okay, oh, yeah. we can have a girl with a belt, but she has to die. Otherwise, yes. girls yes. run around thinking they can just have belts and oh. it's no thing. And for some reason, we at Toei sometimes they'll come back from the dead, but the point is they still died. Yeah. So, like, they they don't serve a purpose, and like they're they're not meaningful unless at some point they die. So that's yeah, like you can't really just have here's our team of main writers. Mm-hmm. Here's maybe the main writer, and here's his like his his sidekick helper buddy, and you know if a dude had that status, they would be eh, make him a writer. We can sell the suit. And if it's a girl, it's like. I guess she can be a mass production writer. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe we should introduce a dude who's exactly like her. Oh and my he God. can be a writer. Oh, that happens so much. And that that's one of the tropes that makes me really <laughs> frustrated in writer is not even the fact that a lot of times they get killed off, but it's the fact that they don't always get a unique suit. Mm-hmm. It's usually something that's kind kind of like mass produced that you've already seen in the show. Maybe there's a little customization here or there, like Nico's ride player suit. Mm-hmm. You know, she had her hat and all that fun stuff, but it was still I liked a her mass- suit. Actually. I did that too. was fun. Don't get me wrong. I think I, did I, too. I, I think she had no importance whatsoever to the overall arc of the show, but it was a fun <laughs> suit. It was fun. <laughs> I know, and I feel so bad for her because she gets her agency taken away by the ending, anyways. So it's like she was doomed to fail 
Mm-hmm. And that's that's what happens to female writers is they're always doomed to fail, whether that's True. by death or by getting their powers taken away or mm-hmm. not getting the screen time that they deserve. Looking at you, Poppy, Jesus Christ! Oh, I was literally <laughs> just thinking, Poppy. Yeah, <sighs> she she was she was really wasted. I also felt like um, I was. Uh, kind of confused that she ended up as a dating sim when she came out of a <laughs> rhythm video game, but they already gave a dude the rhythm gaming power. So, yep. um, oh, okay. So she doesn't do the thing that she literally was built to do. All right. She, but, but she's, but she's a woman, so she must be a dating sim. Of course, yep. she must be a dating sim. Can we also talk about how she had like four different personalities? <laughs> That's <laughs> <And> true. Like... <laughs> It never made any sense. <laughs> That's also a little problematic. It, the, she was a government official, she was a nurse, and she was from a video game. She was, she was from a rhythm video game, and then she became a dating sim character. Just, okay. Basically, yep. yeah. Yeah, she had no consistency. I mean, I still thought she was a good character in general. I enjoyed her, yeah. But they really dropped the ball on her. They really did. I feel like Ryder is kind of evolving away like at its roots it was about one hero or one hero and his buddy and then you have kind of the solo hero phase that's like black in the movies and kuga and i feel like it's evolving toward being what i think of more as like an x-men format show where it's about a Mm -hmm. bunch of people and they all have powers and because of their different identities and motivations they're all in conflict with each other and that's a perfectly solid basis for children's entertainment uh, but because Ryder started as the one thing and it's moving toward the second, I think it's really hard for the staff of the shows to have the courage to say, like, you know, I know if you read old Ishinomori comics, because he's really anti-war, you know, most of his female heroines end up dying because he's really coming at this from the perspective that, like, at the point in the war where the women and children and also fighting, your society is falling apart and it's a horrible tragedy. And if you're a man and you've let this happen, that's terrible. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's not an invalid theme, but like writer now, I mean, I know there was build, but for the most part, it's not really about war. It's about like, it's, it's power struggles over different ideals, different concepts. I just keep wanting to go back to the X-Men. Of course, this is going to happen when uh, Japan finally gets out of its, um, post-war phase, you know, and, and right. you, they're never gonna not feel the repercussions of just mm-hmm. horrible wartime that they've been through, but Ishinomori, especially during his lifetime, yeah, you're absolutely li- right, he lived um, having seen uh, what it did to women and children and families, and of, of course you'd be anti-war after that. A whole lot of Japan was immediately after World War II. So, yeah, the writing was going to reflect that. But as they move into this this period of peace, uh, it's, it's just a totally different world in Japan now. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's, that can be very good, uh, I, because I do think that it means we can start to tackle new ideas. We don't have to rehash all these same old ideas anymore, uh, which, furthermore makes it all the more frustrating that women cannot be as included as we would like. And I, I think yeah, there's, it's... there's no reason for it in the modern stuff. It's sure. the old trope persisting 
well past the point where it actually says something. Sure. Absolutely. And it's just kind I of there because of, it is. A lot of fans would say, and I, I, uh, I dare say, I know I'm accusing like male viewers and I want to jump in before not all men, but, um, <laughs> and it's not, uh, but there will be people who say to us, well, you did get this one female writer. Aren't you satisfied with that? I mean, uh... but if you, if you were a dude and you only ever saw one dude, wouldn't you be frustrated and want to see more dudes? Like, yeah, wouldn't you? I think it's pretty reasonable to say, okay, yeah, we got the one and you got all the rest of them. Um, we would like to be represented a little more frequently, a little more equally. I think that's a, a fair thing to ask. Oh, absolutely. And I do see arguments a lot that are like, well, Japan isn't as progressive, say, as the U.S., and we shouldn't be pushing our Western ideals. That argument always bothered me, because mm -hmm. Japan does have a feminist movement. It does, oh, sure. and especially you can kind of see the culture shifting slowly. Yes, it's not at the same pace as us, and they're not necessarily at the same feminist-type movement that we're in. But that doesn't discredit what has happened already, where you see the work culture changing, you see the family dynamic changing, you are seeing women taking on career roles, and it's changing the society very mm. drastically in some ways. So I don't think it's fair that these shows don't reflect that. They still keep women in, you know, specific tropes and specific positions that aren't necessarily reflective of what's going on right now. Which really, if, if Toei was smart, they would realize, you mean we're missing 50% of our potential audience? We could make more money? Wow. Like, like specifically talk to Bondi, because you know, Bondi's got them under their thumb, really. They're, they're, <laughs> they've got control of everything, because they've got control of the toys, and because they're they, the majority shareholder of Toei, they, they just, they've already designed toys before a show is even written. And I was actually sitting down and discussing this uh, with uh, a couple of dudes, one of which has worked CG, uh, some of the CG special effects on Kamen Rider and Super Sentai for the past several years, and another guy is just a writer... Uh, in films and anime. I was sitting down with these guys last month over dinner, and they just kind of shook their heads, and they were like, that Bondi. Like, they, everybody <laughs> knows it, that Bondi is the one that has all the control. And I want to say that they kind of addressed this in one of these Common uh, Rider Geo point five episodes yeah. recently. They, they just straight up acknowledged, eh, it's, it's the toy sales that tell us what to write. Basically, um, uh -huh. so somebody tell Bondi, hey, can you design toys that everybody wants? That would be great. And then can you write it so that everybody would get excited over it? That would yeah. be best. Yeah, see, that's a good point. It's because there is a very large audience of women who purchase these toys, whether they're the mothers that purchase it for their children or, you know, the normal women who just happen to like these shows purchasing mm -hmm. it you know the cosplay stuff or whatever mm -hmm. for themselves even if they're not purchasing toys doesn't mean they're not a valid market to be sure. targeted towards and i think right. bandai knows that because they wouldn't keep putting out jewelry they wouldn't keep putting out cosplay in the large amounts that they do every season you get a lot of that they put it behind this premium wall though yes. so that it's almost 
ridiculous how expensive like how about you sell the same toys that you sell to the boys uh but also make sure women would be interested in buying them oh absolutely yeah yeah but don't get me wrong they do buy them every time the last right. couple times i've been to japan i really do see women buying the premium bandai stuff whether it's keychain sure. accessories to put on your eat a bag mm. or cosplay stuff they'll go out because they just they love the shows like anybody else and they just want the merch like it's so unfair that they're not targeted as much as they get or as much as they deserve because they will throw money at Bandai and Toei and Tsuburaya when they are targeted. Mm -hmm. It's just crazy. I don't know. I had such an eye-opening experience when I went to Japan last year seeing the stage show. And yeah, people could argue that maybe the girls got into it because the actors are cute or whatever. But even if that was your reason, that doesn't make you less of a fan. Because they're clearly spending a lot of money and a lot of time dedicated to these shows what was really interesting during the time of common writer den O, you know because it's mm. it's one dude but he's possessed by 80 bajillion other dudes and <laughs> all these dudes like they're really good voice actors and they uh would release these single cds of these insert songs but you know you gotta buy the right combination to in order to get the singles uh, from each one of the actors, so they sold, like, five different versions of this CD, uh, and the women really went for it. The, oh, like, yeah. the women were all over Deno at the time. Uh, and I remember I first went to Japan, and uh, it was 2006, I think Deno was... Yeah, I think you might be right. was going on at the time. There were still... I was still seeing girls in schoolgirl uniforms going through these, these Deno singles, and they keep bringing Deno back... They, they know people like it. Um, I think they are somewhat aware that women like it, but at the same time, they don't want to put in the work or the effort that it might take to better market towards us. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of this kind of boils down to, and this is, you know, something that, you know, I've heard echoed a few other places. A lot of it comes down to the fact that the toy aisle is divided into boy toys and girl toys. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of have to decide, okay, what, as a company, what side of the aisle am I going to put my stuff on? What do I think will do better? And I think that that Put it on an end cap Mindset. Right. And I think that that, like, that whole mindset is just so negatively affecting literally all the rest of these shows, where it's like... We have to choose how we're going to market ourselves because of how we're going to sell the merch and how we're going to get our toys out there and how we're going to do all this. And like, yeah, Bandai's got them all by the balls because that's where the money's coming from at the end of the day. And it sucks that like that means that that basically gets to decide how the whole show is going to get written. And that's not solely a, a Japan problem either, mind no, you. No, like, that's, that's world, worldwide. Yeah, yeah. Here in America, you'll go into the toy aisle of Walmart or Target or whatever. And uh, yeah, it's totally separated between boys and girls. I remember I was uh, really upset because I'm also relatively interested in Nerf blasters. Um, Heck and, yeah. And Nerf blasters are always marketed towards dudes, but then they did eventually release a line called the Rebel line. It's uh, all very yep. pink and purple uh, with mm-hmm. cute little girls on the front, and they've got a lot of bows because, you know, girls like bows and arrows a lot, I guess. That's how they sure. like to market it towards us, which, you know, it's not 
inaccurate. Bows and arrows are cool, but I, I feel like that's like our default weapon. Yeah. <laughs> all the time is a, is a bow and arrow. And I remember there would be like sales on nerf weapons and they'd be like, yeah, but only the boys nerf weapons. There's no sale on the girls nerf weapons. I'm like, why? They're like identical, except the box is pink. I don't understand. Um, so, so yeah, the marketing, it's like, why does it need to be different? Can we have boys and girls on the box? Like, like if you've got a two weapon blaster toy, you're trying to market. Yeah, you, you can, uh, you can fight with your friends, have a boy and a girl on the box, maybe. And, and I think this yeah. can carry over into common writer stuff too. You know, uh, if you're selling like a package of, weapons that might be in a given show um show boys and girls playing with them both of them yeah i I used to be such a tom i'm still kind of a tomboy but i used to be such a tomboy when i was a child that i absolutely refused to wear anything that was pink or purple Mm -hmm. if it had even the slightest hint of red tone to it i was out down for the count didn't want any part of it but like as an adult because of how, like, that color scheme is almost, like, looked down upon as being, like, so over-the-top girly and so, I don't know, just bad or whatever. I've ended up flipping into it and Mm -hmm. leaning hard into the paint. I hear you. Because it upsets people. Like, (laughs) if you take, like pink and purple stuff and you go to any kind of gaming convention where you're like just surrounded by a bunch of dudes there are like so many people who just get tilted and even (laughs) streaming on twitch i haven't done it a lot lately but when i do like the number of people who get upset that i like pink Oh He's yeah, they'll so get stupid. They'll get so mad, like you're just trying to get <laughs> so attention mad. for being a girl gamer. Like I, I'm just trying to exist, man. Yeah, exactly. Like, and it's it's almost like your rage feeds me. <laughs> now I need more pink, and I don't even like it that much. Like green's my favorite color. Thanks for but the now views. I'm lean harder. Exactly right. <laughs> That's, that is something to bring up, absolutely. It's like, oh, when you... I mean, that happens even with, like, some of the characters that get portrayed, as a lot of people think, you know, somebody that's feminine, wears a lot of pink, acts, you know, stereotypically girly. You know, they tend to think, oh, that's not, like, a strong character, or that's not an interesting character. But that yeah. that's not necessarily true. Right. And I think you kind of learn that later in life. Because I was that tomboy, too. I absolutely refused yeah. it. It came from, you know, my mom projecting those ideals, because she was like that as well. Right. But you realize later in life, you're like, why was I doing this? I hated feminine things. That's so, like internal misogyny it's crazy and it sucks to see that portrayed i didn't want to carry a purse and i didn't want to wear makeup i didn't start really caring about how i looked until i was in my late 20s going into my early 30s it took me that long yep i only started doing it recently too i totally understand and it it came it came from an internalized misogyny Mm -hmm. absolutely seeing it in the shows Seeing, you know, hearing it from others, um, like, fem, you know, being feminine is not seen as something worthy. So it's a, it's a shame to see it happen in these shows, too. At the same time, though, there's a lot of it that stems from, like, what we're taught as women is also the, like, 
quote-unquote right or feminist thing to do. Yep. Because, you know, I know that for me it was also a thing that not wearing makeup was the feminist thing to do. And, like, you you know, by breaking gender norms and not wearing your makeup and doing all that stuff, that's how you showed, like, how strong, independent, like, you know, whatever that you were. But really it's all just a bunch of internalized misogyny, like you guys Mm -hmm. were saying, that's been taken, twisted, and turned all around instead of, like, a... Hey, the point is, do what the... Do we swear on this show? Yes, I yes. Forget. Do what the fuck you want, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the point. The point is that we have the legal and social ability to do whatever the fuck we want and have it be fine. And yeah. no one gets mad. And it's just, who gives a shit? Who get? That's... Sorry, I'm getting... I'm getting tilted now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just don't understand why people care so much. I can agree. I don't. I can absolutely agree. And I think that that also bleeds into our next question. I'm really good at transitions, aren't I? (laughs) You really are. (laughs) And I feel like I'm accidentally being good at, like, tossing you the segue. Yes, you quite are, actually. (laughs) Well, yeah, again, that brings me to my next question, which I know this is all about judging women, but... What are your overall experience as being a woman in the Western tokusatsu fandom, which is very different than being a woman in the Japanese tokusatsu fandom? What have been some of the good things that have happened to you? What are some of the bad things? Let's just talk about the fandom for a little bit. I know this is a deep, this is also a deep subject. I keep throwing very deep subjects. I'll start if it helps. Sure. Um, Well, coming into the fandom, I was... You know, when I first got into it, watching Gokaiju and stuff like that, I was not active in the fandom at all. The most I did was, like, post on Tumblr about how cute Gokai Silver was. <laughs> I was really obsessed with him for a while. <laughs> um, but as I started getting into cosplay, that's when I started getting a little bit more involved into the fandom and got to where I am now. And I've definitely seen both sides of it. Because there is a very strange stigma against, like, especially women who cosplay or, mm-hmm. like, craft or write fanfics. It's a, it's really strange that there's such, like, a stigma and, like, it's seen as lesser in a way compared to, like, the men who write news articles and stuff like that. The men who can do exactly the same thing, quite frankly, um, and nobody bats yeah. an eye. Yeah, they can cosplay too, and people are like, oh my god, that's amazing, but they don't necessarily receive the same hate. So it was interesting coming into the fandom where I saw that happen to me, where I would get messages, whether it was like, oh, you're just doing this for attention, or like, oh, your cosplays aren't good. And then, of course, the opposite side, Ever, you know, people were also very nice, and they were surprised to see a woman do cosplay and I'm like uh you know I follow like 20 other female cosplayers who are also amazing why don't you follow them similarly you you mm-hmm. mentioned there's there's this positive and this this negative uh what I think uh, is is a positive or at least dudes trying to be positive uh, they realize, oh my god, a woman likes the same thing that I like. Now I need to talk to her all the time. All, yeah. all the time. Yeah, I, need yeah. to, I need to approach her and I need to tell her all about myself. So so this happened to me at G-Fest a couple years back where mm-hmm. all, all I'm doing is sitting there. 
I'm literally just sitting there, and I'm wearing this Shin Godzilla t-shirt, and this guy doesn't know who I am, because sometimes people approach me because they know who I am, but sometimes, but you can tell if they approach me and they don't know who I am, they're just like, it's a woman, she likes Godzilla, and I need to tell her, like, hey, so you, you like these movies? Do you like fan movies? I'm gonna tell you everything about this fan movie that I'm writing. I've written lots of fan movies, and, well, I'm working on a new one right now, and, like, I just have to let him talk. Like, this, and this yeah. happens all the time. They just decide, I'm latching on. They latch on so fast, and, and they're not being bad people, but they are being very right. much like, uh, they are so excited that I do feel like it's a different treatment than if I were a dude sitting there in this Shin Godzilla shirt and he probably wouldn't have thought twice about me. I could have had literally the exact same personality and done literally all of the exact same things I was going to be doing that whole weekend anyway, but because I existed as a female, he approached me in a different manner than he would have literally anybody else in that whole hallway. I was just sitting by myself doing nothing and he decides yeah. I need I need to talk to this person about everything and try and impress them. That yes. that was yeah. that was what that conversation was, which wasn't really a mm -hmm. conversation because he did all the talking. It was a monologue. It was. It really was. It was kind of a hostage situation, is what it was. Yeah, that does unfortunately happen. And I know it doesn't always come from a bad place. There's not it necessarily it really a doesn't. bad intention. But it's still, this strange, special treatment is clearly gender-based. Mm -hmm. And that's where it becomes frustrating and I, i've had it i've kind of had seeing so it's interesting you bring up that if you were a guy this may have not happened to you i kind of had the first time a peek at what it's like to be or what it's like to hang out with like a male tokusatsu friend and like how people talk to them compared to when they're talking to me it was mm -hmm. so interesting so I, I was at a con and i'm you know i was cosplaying kiria my friend was cosplaying kuroto dan He's not very into tokusatsu. He was just kind of getting into it. Like, X-Aid was his first. He thought it was cool, but he didn't jump really head-on like I have. Um, so we're at this con, and somebody comes up to us, and they kind of start asking him questions. You know, and if I say anything, they don't look at me. They continue asking him questions. And then my friend is like, well, I don't really know. She knows a lot more than I do. Like, you should ask yeah. her. Mm -hmm. And absolutely ignored like could and i understand not all of the time it comes from a bad place but it just becomes increasingly frustrating when mm. that happens again like most of the interactions i have with people have always been by myself or with my boyfriend which most people know he's not into this at all so they don't really talk to him about it but it's mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. different how people talk to me compared to a male fan whether that person is right next to me trying to tell you that she knows more than I do and you really need to ask the, her those questions or just completely outright ignoring my presence. It's mm, super yeah. frustrating. I always think one of the funny things for me that I got to experience was when I first joined Tokunet. And to for those who don't know, I joined to basically be Paula, our former editor-in-chief's uh, like personal assistant, we're best friends in real life. 
And, like, I was just there to, like, help arrange meetings and, like, make sure that everyone was okay. Reminder to send out the birthday cards. Stuff like that. Oh, I need you and, to remind me for that. Damn. <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> Let me know. We'll talk. <laughs> um, but when I first then started doing the podcast, I got a lot of criticism not just because I was a noob, which was, let's just say, the whole point of why I was there, right? But, like, straight up just people being like, why is that girl there? Why is she talking? Oh, <laughs> my God. Why is she on the phone? And I'm just like, damn, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> And for me, I just found it so funny because I was like, I don't need to be here. It's just fun for me. And, like... I don't know, why do you care whether or not I'm here? And then as time went on, it very quickly turned from, like, this person knows nothing to, like, getting, like, just shit posts on iTunes that were just about me, Ooh. which was so great. Oh, yeah, go back into some of the old iTunes reviews of our podcast. There are some choice reviews. Golly. Oh, God. But, uh... To then, I started seeing comments like, hey, you guys should have had Kitty on that last one because I think she would have really had... And I was just like, mm-hmm, yes, please, tell me more. <laughs> and oh it's... it's Right, but it's... it To me, it's frustrating sometimes. It's like, okay, like, we had an idea. I was going to be this outside, you know, personality. I don't know Tokusatsu that well. I, you know, I'm learning about it as I go. And, like, it... The fact, like, how hard I had to fight for people to buy into that, mm. we'll never know. Because we didn't have, like, another regular female podcaster on the team at the time. But, like, I'd be willing to bet that if I had been a dude coming in with that perspective of, like, I don't know a whole lot. I'm just here to learn. This is my first impression. Like... I don't, please tell me a lot. What the heck is a common Rider kick? Like, that was literally a thing. I didn't know that the common Rider kick was, like, a thing. I was like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> and someone said, it was, someone commented, like, guys, she doesn't even know what the common Rider kick is. Why do you have her there? Oh, my God. But I feel like if I'd been a dude, just be like, hey, guys, teach me about this cool thing that you like. I wouldn't have had to fight so hard. That, I think that's yeah. true. So, like, I think it's accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and, and that's not, you know, to say that, uh, I don't know. I, I, like, I don't want to phrase this like, that's not so bad. It is bad. It is bad that I had to fight that hard. It does suck that we can never know for sure because we only saw what happened happen. And I haven't seen any other, you know, tokusatsu podcasts where they bring in a random guy, Nooblet, and just be like, here, let us teach you all the things. Go watch these 12 episodes and come back to us and we'll talk. Mm-hmm. Like, I haven't seen that. But I know from experience that toku fans love sharing all of their tokusatsu experience and love with their friends. Mm. And it's such a wonderful thing that they do. And the fact that, like, there was no buy-in for that, for me being that person that they're trying to introduce to their world and loop in, that they couldn't see me being that friend of theirs, that they've been trying to get to watch, you know, Super Sentai for a decade just was very very frustrating see that's a good point because as you know sometimes people do say that the tokusatsu fandom tries to gatekeep 
But in many ways, I've seen a lot of the fandom try to introduce it to their friends, family, whatever. And they're, you know, relatively open about it, or at least some of the fandom is open about it. But I do see weird, weird duality. It's, you know, it's like if it's their girlfriend, they're like, I really want her to get into tokusatsu, or like, how can I get her into tokusatsu? But if it's like any other woman, they're like, I don't want them in tokusatsu. Like, no. So it's really strange. Well, I think that um, tokusatsu fans have a tendency to also be very pushy about yes. their fandom. Yes. Um, very, very pushy. And this is part of why I, I feel like it has been a very slow growth over the years, as far as the community is concerned. Um, because people go... Oh, what is this? Is it a Power Ranger? And here's where you get the gatekeeping of, oh, you think it's a Power Ranger, there's no talking to you, and then that person mm. gets made fun of and laughed out, and that's somebody that they could have brought in, and then they didn't. But you exactly. also get people who are like, I'm, I'm watching Kamen Rider Decade right now, and you need to sit down and watch this and Onore Decado, and what is an Onore Decado? I don't know what a, a Onore <laughs> Decado is. And so you just start quoting just shit at people <laughs> that, that there's no comprehending yeah. it and, and they're like i need you to watch episode 17 of of common writer kiva like why i have no grasp of what is happening right now and you're like <laughs> you are so hoping that they're gonna see this amazing thing that you saw in it and like you can't you can't do that because i don't think people understand that each writer series and each sentai series and i feel like we're talking solely about those two a whole lot more than we are about the rest of tokusatsu yeah. but but it is a very I mean. the superhero time block is a very prominent block um but yeah. but there's there's such a difference in tone even between every single season of those two franchises so you have to the way you have to do it is start asking questions like well, what kind of shows do you already like um, mm -hmm. Do you already like comedy or action or drama or do you like a mixture of all of that? Uh, is there a certain kind of gimmick that you really like? But people are just like, no, I like the one that has all of the shaky bottles. Or no, I like the one, <laughs> I like the one that has all of the switches and they make a whole bunch of noises. And I like the noises that the belts make. I like the ones with Power Ranger trains. Power, the Power Ranger trains one, and and you you can't you can't throw like like look at me flipping the switch or look at me like I've I've got all these cards the cards don't mean anything to me man you gotta <laughs> yeah. help me out here so they're really really pushy about it and and then when somebody doesn't get it right away then you just, just kind of blow them off like ah there's no getting them in here yeah my favorite thing. Paula actually introduced me to a little bit of tokusatsu without me realizing it. And she did the same thing when she started introducing me to certain anime that she liked. I'm I'm a very contrary person by nature. And I don't like it when people recommend me things a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know why. I've never liked it. And it doesn't make any sense because people are just trying to be like, hey, you might like this thing. And I just immediately go... I don't know. <laughs> but that's because so what weird. they really mean is, I like this thing. I hope you yeah. like it with me. Yeah. Exactly. And you know what? And that's totally fine. But, like, 
Paula did this beautiful, majestic thing where she just like came over to my house and like we were both doing things and she was like, hey, do you mind if I turn on something and like just to have his noise in the background? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And then like next thing I know, I'm glued. I'm like 12 episodes deep into fairy tale and I don't even know what's happening <laughs> to my life anymore. But the next week is me binging it. Yeah. And like I that happened to me with um Forze, Common Rider Forze was what after Drive I was like it's Common Rider genocide and I hate it. That was me at the end of Drive <laughs> oh by God. the way. <laughs> and she was just like here have Common Rider Forze as a palate cleanser. And I was like <laughs> and I just ate it up like nobody's business. But, like, Common Rider Gaim, which everyone's like, oh, you have to see Gaim. You have to see Gaim. It's, like, one of the best Common Riders of all time. And I'm like, one day. <laughs> <laughs> see, sure. yeah, that's true. The fandom does kind of have waves of obsessions with shows. Like, Gaim really used to be, like, everyone was like, you have to watch Gaim. It's the best. But I really mm-hmm. have seen that dip off, too. I don't see that recommendation of Gaim too much anymore. Sometimes right. it's other shows. But, yeah. To your point, though, Mars Girls, I do feel like the fandom is specifically very pushy in the ways you've described. And I know most of the time it comes from a good place, but it just, it doesn't help because, like, for us women, it's like, we know we're not the target audience of these shows. They're still enjoyable to watch, but we're still going to feel like an outsider. And when we don't fall into their recommendations and like it or, you know like it the same way they do like I know a lot of people in the fandom get obsessed with like all the henshins and all the toys and all that where Mm -hmm. others might be more into the story the characters etc so it's like if you don't like what they like you're not welcome and it's really upsetting this is why I couldn't do Forze, actually, because everybody uchu kitad at me so hard that I was like, <laughs> just, no, get this out of my face. He's wearing a play school toy around his waist. I don't want anything to do with this. And then people are like, oh, no, she doesn't like Forze. Well, Forze was made so that Japan could be happy again after the Tohoku earthquake. And, and then, yeah. well, oh yes, God. yes, it was. And I'm glad that they're happy, but just, just stop. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Like, for me, that's what I needed. And that actually, that point actually marked a huge change for me in the type of media that I was consuming, Mm -hmm. where I switched over to, like, only squishy, happy, light stuff that makes me feel good inside because the world is garbage. <laughs> like, <laughs> the, which, the world is fine. I'm sure everything will be fine, probably. But, like, I just, that's the type of media that I like to watch. That's fair. If it's something that's designed to make me feel all fuzzy and warm inside for a couple of minutes, that's what I want to see. And that's not what everybody likes to see. It's that or me sobbing. There's no in between. (laughs) And I I can't control when which thing happens, but, like. And that's absolutely fair. That's another thing. You're, you gravitate towards what you gravitate toward. And, you know, exactly. like, I don't like Forze, but I would never vilify somebody right. for, for liking what I don't mm-hmm. like or not liking what I do like. And I think, yeah. like, now th- I think this is true of a lot of fandoms, but Tokusatsu in general is, is pretty bad about this, about <laughs> making the person who likes or doesn't like what you do like, um... 
they're they're the villain in your story now. Okay, that doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense to me. It's just a shame because it happens a lot more to like the quote unquote minorities of mm. the fandom, women, people of color, non-binary yeah. people. It's because we mm. have a different perspective and we kind of want different things when it comes to Tokusatsu. So it's kind of unfair when that realization yeah. happens to us. And it's just, you can't necessarily bounce back from that. And it kind of makes watching Tokusatsu as a result unenjoyable. Mm. Right. And especially, like, if they, you know, people go, oh, well, you're female, so I think you'll like this one. Uh, like, yep. <laughs> like, if people, like, were to come up to me and be like, oh, you're female, so you're going to like this light, squishy stuff. Like, no, I don't like the light, squishy stuff because I'm female. I like it because other reasons. Yeah. Like, it, it. let me tell you about the garbage that has happened in my life recently that makes <laughs> me only want to con- consume light, fluffy shit. And, like, that's not everybody. And, mm-hmm. I, like, when they start making it also about, like, oh, well, yeah, that was really popular with a lot of women, so that's the thing that you should watch. Or, like, um, or even, you know, on the flip side of that, being like, oh, you're a girl and you like this one? That's so weird. No girl ever likes this one. Yeah. They usually like this one. Like, that kind of mentality of even then, like, lifting certain other women onto a pedestal because, like, they're more into one type than the right. other. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe. That's so frustrating. Maybe we're just people with <gasps> individual personalities. Yeah. Weird. Just Impossible. like you. What? <laughs> Shenanigans. I mean, I mean, I don't know if anyone has ever brought that up before. I don't know if this has ever been discussed in society. Maybe I've just just broken this this new concept. But <laughs> oh my God. we're just people. Well, we're just people. Yeah. Oh my god, Links! I'd love to hear your thoughts. So, most of my like formative experiences with the fandom, they weren't in like the modern kind of convention scene they were uh very pre-social media like the early days of the fandom you're still kind of in what i think of as like the 1.0 network where mm. people are keeping GeoCities pages and everyone's like no girls on the internet lol <laughs> and what's what i find weird looking back is man we just all went along with that but in the right? fandom from like the earliest days there have been a bunch of women here Mm-hmm. Like, one of the pillars of the early fandom was a woman who went by the name of Jill Sylvan. And so before you could do file transfer easily over the internet, that's that's when tokusatsu fandom exploded, when you could see it and not pay for it. But way yeah. before that, uh, what she would do, because, uh, you know, you couldn't just go, oh, I'm going to download all this show fan sub, cool. No, like, none of that existed yet. She would write a synopsis for these shows, which are very, very long shows in the VHS world. Like, a lot of people would see the art and just drink, oh, I'd love to watch that one day. And just, it was totally unrealistic to think you would. But she wrote these really detailed synopses. I know one of them was for Ryuki. I know she did it for Jetman. Uh, There may have been a couple other shows. Those are the two that really come to mind. Mm -hmm. And then a bunch of other people entered the fandom by using those as viewing guides, you would get raw tapes 
Uh, you would buy them from a tape trader or find an Asian grocery store and copy them. And you would sort of watch the episode and then you'd go read the synopsis and be like, oh, okay, so that's 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 what I thought was happening. And that was just how how people got into the fandom and talked. And then when you sort of had fan subs come around, like, that's when it exploded. And right. that's also when you kind of had, like... If a bunch of women just wanted to talk by themselves and not go to all the forums the boys were on, they would form, like, a live journal group mm -hmm. that was, like, proto-social media. These days, there's basically a men's side of the fandom and a women's side of the fandom. Oh, yeah. Like, as far as I can tell, yeah, like, there's... And personally, I mean, I think it's great, because if for some reason being around the opposite sex makes you uncomfortable, you don't have to. Cool. If you're not too particular about who you talk to, which is kind of where I am, you can. it's easy to network and be like, oh, here's my queer friends who love Ryder. Here's my straight male friends. Here's my straight women. Here's all my, you know, it's, and you get all these great, pers these great different perspectives on the material. Um, I know Tumblr tends to be really kind of female dominated and not shockingly is the source of the big Gaim backlash, which... Oh, yeah. Uh, fair. I mean, I think Gaim is really well written, but if you're just like, I want to see great female roles. Well, there's a woman who does nothing but be trapped, and there's a woman who dies. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Enjoy! <sighs> I could go on about her, but... <laughs> no, but here, in order to, uh... As, as an antidote to that, something I've seen as a gateway show for a whole bunch of women, which I never would have thought in a million years, Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. That was very early yeah. for me as well, yeah. Yeah, I would, well, I mean, I would say that was just one of the best shows made that decade, but what I find interesting is that it's been so evergreen. Like, I can still just fire up Twitter. There's a bunch of people watching it for the first time and screen capping it and going, oh my god, this is the best version of Sailor Moon ever. I'm working mm -hmm. on a review of it right now because somebody requested it of me, and I'm just so excited to be able to talk about oh, this and share that'll this that'll be fun. I'm so happy. That's I'm awesome. super That's such a fun series. And yeah, and like there's like this whole huge fandom just for Pretty Guardian, and I think it has some overlap with Sailor Moon musical fandom. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. It also has a shockingly huge amount of other Tokusatsu actors in it. It's amazing. Oh yeah, oh yes. Like I've, I've had some weird experiences as a woman, but it's just I don't know what it's like to be a dude in fandom on the internet. Like people have told me and there's what I kind of observe but I feel like at the end of the day you know just like I just don't really know I mean I can say like if you're arguing with somebody and like the weight of evidence is on your side and they realize this halfway through I've noticed they will get much much madder <laughs> if it's like me as opposed to I don't know Ega Devil you yeah. know some other person with a uh, information monster reputation and you know in my part it, it's totally undeserved i'll just tell this tell the entire i am an idiot i just know things i ran on wikis uh i don't know anything that someone else couldn't know if they hung around long enough so eh. but it's like the fandom's really collectory lots of people mm -hmm. like oh, i have seen i have seen all these episodes and i have bought all the things and therefore, that means my fandom power level is way up here. And so you guys all have to agree to me when I say this character sucks and that character sucks and no one's allowed to like that show. Yeah. There's a lot of like, I've noticed a lot of that over the years. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, for me, I'd always just be like, no, I don't have to. And then I just go wander off and talk to different people. Yeah. Yeah. 
I feel like a lot of time what I tend to say when people say stuff like that is I'll just get very snooty and say, hmm, you're allowed to be wrong. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And then giggle and change the subject. (laughs) I personally, I I do agree (laughs) that it's great that uh, we have our own communities where we can feel safe to talk amongst ourselves, but it's also yeah. incredibly frustrating that it feels like uh, it is more difficult for us to integrate with the larger, more normalized communities, because I would like for us to all just be people and all just... Mm-hmm. Have, it's, it's great to have different perspectives, but if we could all be talking about those different perspectives in one place without scaring one another off, that would be better. Uh, we yeah. do not seem to be in that position right now. Uh, not just yet. Mm-hmm. I can only hope that with time, that would improve. I yeah. think you're, you're more like older fandoms get there. Like, if you go and look at how, like, say, Star Trek fandom is organized these days, where there's, there's oh, a bunch God. of different feeders and then a bunch of places <sighs> where different fandom generations cross-pollinate. And Tokusatsu, comparatively, is such a super young fandom. Mm -hmm. Like there's not a lot of people left, uh, from my fandom generation, uh, who even participate even like a little bit anymore. Right. And the generation before me, mostly like, uh, there's maybe one or two of them left, not a lot. And when you're dealing with younger fans, they're insecure because a lot of, they just tend to be younger people and Mm -hmm. being young is, you know, you don't, you don't know what you can do yet. Mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. have a lot of, like, personal achievements yet. It's 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 hard to be brave. You're afraid that you'll go out into the world and find out that you suck and you're the worst and no one will ever love you. And that kind of plays out, you know, it plays out in high school and college. It also kind of plays out in internet fandom or in conventions or other places where people gather together. So it's kind of a an unspoken layer of extra baggage, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. on yeah. the kind of interactions. And like, you know, the dude who's like, you're the girl who likes Thing. Let me tell you all my feelings I've ever had about Thing. And what it really is, is this guy has never had many chances to talk to a girl. And it's just every feeling sure. he's ever, every, it all coming out at once. And it's just part of their process and unfortunately one where if you get cornered at a convention you're just gonna be there yes yes <laughs> right um i'm I, yeah. I i'm sorry i have to leave now you're a wonderful person and it's just <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah it happens and again it, we all know it comes from mostly good intentions it's sure just, it's it's something that i think we can all hope that it improves as the fandom gets older. And I agree, the fandom is technically younger, as in, you know, it, we've had better access to these shows as of very There's a lot recently. Turn, I would say. Like, I, I kind of look at how, like, anime fandom really started coming up about 10, 20 years mm-hmm. sooner, because uh, people got super into the tape trading there. With Toku, I mean, there were some weirdos who did it like I did, not, not nearly as much. But with. Some other fandoms I notice, like, the old beasts stay around, Mm -hmm. and they will start, like, managing the fan sites, running the conventions, uh, and being there to kind of model, kind of model the behavior, kind of model, this is the kind of community we want. Mm -hmm. And if you don't like this, well, you can can go make your own, but this is kind of the mature, full-fledged community. And in Tokusatsu, there's just, like, there's so many people who will come in, 
watch about, you know, three, four years worth of Ryder and Sentai, and then they just stop. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's fine. A lot of times just because, well, moving on in life, perfectly normal, perfectly natural. But it means like there's, there's not a lot of communities you can point to like you can for some other fandom where it's like they've been here for 10 or 20 years and they've got the vast, you know, they know everything that's ever happened. I mean, but at the same time, I feel like you get a lot, like, let's take a look at the Star Wars community, for example. Look at what they've done to the female (laughs) actresses, to the female actors, like, in that series. Like, the ones that they've driven off of social media with their vitriol. like Very true. You know, like that's very much a a double-edged sword with that kind of community where you have something that's been around for so long that's trying to change. And that, that's a whole other bag of worms. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Star Wars is in the weird place where you would have, like, a burst of movies and then nothing but EU stuff. And get completely different types of fans in. And you'd have another burst of movies and then more weird side stuff. And, like, this is one of the first times I feel like you have a big burst of movies coming. And there's, like, people who have been into it. You know, there's people who got into it just from playing video games. There's the people who got into it just from the prequels. Mm-hmm. Right. And I feel like there's an extent to which... We're at a point in time where people have built their own personal Star Wars in their head. But since Disney built it and said, Ah, we're going to have one Kanan now. Now people mm. are like, Oh no, the Star Wars in my head. I'm being told it does not... It literally cannot actually exist. And, you know, they explode... Because this is what happens when you base your personality around an object you personally don't control. And that leads, Mm. you know, I mean, being generous, that leads to them flipping out at random actresses. Well, not random. Flipping out at actresses and such. But a lot of that, I just, a lot of that behavior, I think it's people who aren't fans. I think it's people with an axe to grind who think they can harness this fandom to help us, yeah, help me, help me save your fandom with my uh, conveniently regressive politics. Mm. And I just feel like these <laughs> these are people who are being used. And mm. I hope, like in some fandoms, they will wake up and realize, wait, you don't actually care about any of this. You're just trying to make me join your weird boys only club. And those people get run out on a rail. And I think just with Star Wars, because. There is a lot that's genuinely really divisive about the new movies. It's a lot harder to, you know, keep people from being taken in. Also, I mean, with with social media, there's just so many people on the internet who have unprecedented access to writers and actors and actresses and all. Yeah, they, you know, it has not yet occurred to them they shouldn't be the guy, you know, leaning out of his car window going, you know, nice ass, you know, as he drives by. (laughs) Or is he a fuck you, hope you die. Because that's, you know, (laughs) when I imagine that that mass giant, uh, giant waves of harassment, I just picture it's like that. Only like a million guys are doing it at once and they don't know there's a million other guys doing it simultaneously. They all just like, I'm going to be the hero. And they just kind of keep doing it and doing it. And uh, it's human nature. And it's sad and depressing and terrible. Yeah. But it's it's like having the old built-in kind of misogynist fandom structure. I mean, 
that can be an issue. Like, we saw that with Gundam Wing, Mm -hmm. where, like, for a while, no one had cared about it in fandom except women who wanted to write detailed fan fiction about hero being duo's uh, psychologist slash lover. And then it aired on Cartoon Network. And a bunch of these guys are just, oh my god, robot fights! Oh, this is so... Oh, I, I need to go see all the fan fiction where Hero and Relaina's together, and oh my god, what is this? <laughs> and it was it was horrible fandom wars, terrible harassment, just because these guys... Well, this is clearly for me. This is on Toonami. This is like, oh, it's a gritty war story. This is clearly for dudes, and then the fan fiction is all like... All the wing boys having orgies in their beach house that they that they have together because it's just no one else really cared about what was going on with that show in English. I don't know. It's it's like the horrible clash, the horrible uh, lack of boundaries. I guess I guess I just wish everyone who's going to be a person on the internet could just be considerate of the fact that other people are also trying hard to be people on the internet. Mm-hmm. And the internet's where for a lot of people they let all the weird, all the parts of their personality out that they feel like they can't in their daily life. Mm-hmm. And those things rub up against each other and it, it goes bad places. Yeah, that's absolutely true. We see it even <laughs> in our fandom, which is still relatively small and new compared to larger and older fandoms. But um, speaking of when you brought up Jill, who used to do synopsis for Tokusatsu show, is there anybody you guys would like to highlight as like a... A, you know, a female creator or fandom personality of, of, you know, a woman that you think should be highlighted more in the community? That's another loaded question since we all have so many good friends. This is very hard for me specifically because um, it took me so long to even get into the part of the community that was like, hey, women here. Women over here. Um, So actually, I I really need to leave this up to you guys, because as far as I'm concerned, you are all the best that I know. Uh, (laughs) And that's very, very genuine, because I don't, I have not hung out with or uh, sought or been introduced to very many other women that are are doing really uh, great, credible should definitely be sought out things within the community. And while I know that they exist, um, it's it's super sad that here I am having to say, this is exactly the reason why you do need to be asking us this question, because uh, it's not getting talked about. We're not getting introduced to these people the way that I feel like we should be. And that includes me. I don't know where they are. (laughs) And that's 100% understandable. We have... You know, we still are a small fandom. There is a small percentage of women in general who watch tokusatsu. But I think it comes down to is we don't get our voices heard as much. Mm-hmm. Like some examples of women that I at least look up to in the fandom is I really like all the toku ladies on the toku ladies podcast. Mm-hmm. They all have really individual personalities, individual opinions, and they bring a lot of good perspectives to just different topics about Power Rangers and tokusatsu and the community and etc. So I really appreciate when we can hear those types of voices. And of course, I love all my cosplay friends. Oh my god. Like Procrastinator cosplay. I love her. Mm-hmm. I love Heaven's Gem cosplay. Like they all have, you know, they're all talented in their own ways and they never get the recognition that they deserve. Only because whether they're a POC or just you know, they do gender, uh, not gender, but cross-play cosplays, and that isn't seen as, you know, as great as 
other cosplays, I don't know, weird cosplays to take about, but it, it just comes down to there are so many female creators out there. There's so many tokusatsu female fandom personalities out there that certainly do not get the credit that they deserve because they do contribute to the community, whether it's, you know, telling you how to buy a Power Rangers suit for a good price and not get messed over by sketchy commissioners Mm -hmm. or, you know, putting together a podcast that shows a representation of all different types of ideals of women in this fandom. It just doesn't get highlighted as much as it should. I don't know if anybody else has (laughs) other people they would like to highlight. I completely understand. I don't know anyone. So uh, I know you guys. That's what I'm saying. Super great and awesome. Uh, Paula. Yeah. Like one of the, you know, big founders of Tokunet in the old days. And, you know, (laughs) while she's no longer editor in chief, like Paula Gato's still out there doing awesome things. Mm And, uh, like, I know, like, she's still out there, still going to cons, and, you know, she still loves us and pays attention, <laughs> I promise. She hasn't abandoned us completely. And, uh, I mean, you guys know, of course. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm also biased because she's my best friend. But, like, <laughs> like, there was so much that she went through, like, when Tokunet was first started and when everyone kind of was like, yeah, Paula should be in charge. That makes sense. That's the thing that that really makes sense. She's good at this stuff. That she had to fight tooth and nail for as being, you know, a woman in charge of, you know, a, a fan news site like this and trying to keep everything legit and trying to uh, make sure that we had, you know, really good information out there and, you know, setting a lot of the foundation that, Tokunet has like built up upon. Mm-hmm. She's someone who like especially because and this is nothing against, you know, obviously we love everyone in our team, but there was, you know, a period of time where everyone in the community for some reason thought our wonderful man Tom <laughs> was the editor in chief of Tokunet. They still they still do. They still do. Yes, they and do. And he's not People, if you are listening, we love Tom and he's great and amazing and such a wonderful, talented human being. He's not the editor in chief. <laughs> he never was. It was Paula and now it's Nicole. Yep. yep. Please. A man has never been the editor in chief of Tokuna. And I think that that is something that is so goddamn impressive. And when you consider other, other potential news sites out there, yeah, when you're talking about, um, I don't know, Toku Nation, or um, yeah. if, to an extent, there, there was always JE Fusion. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I have very much Paula to thank to, for the foundation of Tokunet, alongside all the other, other founders as well. Of course. But I yeah, would yeah. not be able to take the reins as I have without everything that she's done and everything that she's taught. So she is certainly somebody that has had such an influence in this community and nobody knows. It's yeah. insane. And I think it's, it's just incredible to me that, like, speaking on behalf of, you know, such a good friend of mine like i i always felt like i don't you know i don't give a shit what people think about me i'm just like this random chick on the internet who's like along for the ride but you know she cares so much and has always cared so much that like it always blew my mind 
that like she was putting in so much hard work mm-hmm. and just no one knew. Yeah. And like so to she my you know hats off to Paula and everything that she's done. You know, obviously to you Nicole for taking over and like Thank you. the levels that you have taken Tokunet to since you took over as editor-in-chief have also been absolutely amazing. Aww. I haven't said that to you before, but it is true, like, the way you took over with handling, like, the Patreon and, like, all kinds of... Like, making sure that everything was just handled and well-marketed and, you know, really took everything to the next level and up on that trajectory that it... I can't even talk anymore, that it still needed to go in and and you just did it so flawlessly and Lynx and Mars Girl, like you guys are such <laughs> wonderful additions to the team. I just love you guys. Aww. Yeah. Aww. I love Thank the love. You. Anytime. I can say nice things about people for a very long time. <laughs> Lynx, do you have anybody that you'd like to highlight? Hmm. I'm not going to name names because, you know, the main actual contribution I made to the community is an, uh, a number of years ago before I sold out. Uh, I was fan subber because there were all these shows I loved to death and there was no one, like no one in the community had seen them and it became increasingly obvious, oh, it's just because they can't watch them. And then I just, you know, spent about two or three years just burning the candle at both ends to get as many shows as I could done. And I did, you know, pretty decent job. There was, even beyond the stuff that I worked on, I tried to get teams together where I was just like, you guys could do this really well. You guys go and do it. Then I stopped, but I'll just say, like, for the people who are still at it, working on getting... Because there's still many, many shows. People aren't watching, and they haven't seen them, and it's only because no one has done a full translation that you can sync to video that you can find on the internet. And I'll just say, for the people still at it, about half of them are women. Mm -hmm. Like, any random fan sub you pull off the internet... Chances are anywhere from like about a quarter to two thirds of the team that did it, it was probably women. And that's also true in anime subbing. It's super true if you get into like drama subbing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, that's a good point is a lot of women are behind the scenes in a way, contributing in very great ways, but definitely behind the scenes. Well, I mean, if you get into fan subbing circles, like you can, you can talk to these people. It's just... For a lot of fan subbers, it's like, you know what? I don't want a big target on my back. Mm-hmm. I just want to get this show out and get people talking about the show. Right. And I, I I mean, no, actually, I know some people in TVN, so I think it is fair. I think almost every group, if you really got to them uh, and asked them their their opinion about people recognizing them for the work, there'd be some, who, some people would be like, yeah, I, I would like thanks. But mostly they're just like, you know what? I, I, I just want them to watch the show. And stop yelling about the fact that I did a character's name a certain way. (laughs) And even though it's a soft sub and they could change it with like five minutes of effort, instead they need to do seven threads on 4chan about how I and my pets should die. I could, I could, I could do without that. Yeah. But no, that's all I have to say. Spare, spare a thought for the fan subber who probably spent a good four to eight hours bringing that episode to you. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And that's a good point about women and general in general minorities in the tokusatsu fandom that do put themselves out there or at least you know reveal that they are a woman or poc or whatever it it does become a target you get some weirdos i mean my you know again because i've never lived in a skin besides mine 
maybe just, you know, anyone who puts anything out there gets some weirdos. I mean, my thing has always been like, oh, that email's creepy. Oh, this dude's an asshole. I'm not reading his comments. You know, and I just do that. And I just kind of go on with my day. But I know, like, you get just tons and tons of that. And it can get under your skin. Like, I've I've seen that happen to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've seen it happen to people of both genders. You know, it's it's really easy to think it's just, oh, I'm just a person on the internet. I'll just have this opinion. I'm sure no one cares. And then you might as well have just taken your fist and rammed it into a hive of hornets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's certainly a good point. It just, it's it's certainly with the rise of social media and the rise of access and how kind of the internet celebrities and personalities, there's kind of this weird line between they're public to you, but they're not really public to you. Like, they still have their private life, and people need to recognize that. Right. But they don't at the same time. And I'm sure you've experienced that, Mars Girl, in Oh, particular. absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yes. For sure. Oh, that I can't... It is the strangest sensation. I don't think um, a lot of people, unless you reach a certain point in being a public person, um, where entire... Uh, forum threads are dedicated to how much they hate you uh, uh, and they hate you because yeah. um, they believe your life must be like one way or another because you don't have all of the information um, and of course you don't you don't live here <laughs> seeing oh what God. I see or doing what I do 24 hours a day 7 days a week and it's true that I talk to people on the internet a lot. I put myself out there a whole lot. So um, it gets very easy to perceive that you know a lot about me. And I admit, I, I let people see a lot about me. Uh, but but not everything. Not everything. Mm-hmm. Why did she make this stupid decision? Maybe it's because there's other things that led up to it that you don't have any right to know about. You don't, mm-hmm. don't go making... 200 page long threads that do in fact exist about how much you hate me and my stupid ass decisions so (laughs) that's just ridiculous yeah in general there's there's you know this problem with you know social media and with you know just people how we treat people in general that is like just this refusal to accept other human beings as being human beings. Right. <laughs> and it's the strange, like it's the strangest thing where like th- there's a word for it. I forget what it is, but there there's a word f- that defines the moment that you realize that like random passersby have the same level of intricacy and depth to their life and their experiences that you do. And I feel like people just need to have that more it's a certain Mm -hmm. amount empathy a certain amount compassion a certain amount of pulling your head out of your ass and just like treating other people how you would like to be treated you know at the end of the day like a lot of how we treat other human beings boils down to you can be the worst part of someone's day or the best part of someone's day Mm -hmm. and that's it you can either make their day worse or better and by the same extent your day worse or better you have a choice to make. Don't be a dick. Like, well, maybe that's a little bit too gendered. Don't be a shitty person. Don't be a shitty person. Kitty, um, you are just perfect at segues because my next yes. question literally is how can we counteract 
the harassment that women face. And that's exactly how you do it, is you have some goddamn empathy, you know? You, you just, like, be a person and understand that everybody else is a person, too. In my experience, communities can decide, like, what the community is going to be about. Like, what's going to be about? What's going to be like? If there's very obviously harassment starting and the community decides, nope, we're not having it, get out of here, then that is pretty much what will happen. On the other hand, if people are just like, well... I don't really want to make this my problem. I mean, they'll they'll talk about free speech or just, well, I think they should get to put their opinion out there. But no, really, it's, I don't want to make this my problem. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is just stuff on the internet. If that's more the attitude the fandom takes, then just people harassing each other is going to be what they consider normal and accepted. And I've seen tokusatsu communities that run, like, the entire spectrum. I've seen... You know, actually, I've I've even seen this in the fan sub community where if you go, you know, if if you decide to boost your ego by just going after someone and you pick the wrong person, you're just going to be doomed because they're just going to be like, you know, fuck you, buddy. You do. We're not having that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've certainly seen it like uh, if someone decides to go after a member of the queer community, then like there's an entire section of the fandom that will circle the wagons and be like, mm hmm. Yeah, you try it. You try it. And, (laughs) you know, I mean, and not even necessarily just in the earlier days, I've seen some places that decide, you know what? I just want it to be a free-for-all. I'm not, I'm just going to be totally hands-off with the moderation. And what happens then is, you know, two or three weirdos who do nothing but post hateful screeds all day, that's going to be your whole forum. So, you know... When you're, you know, deciding which little part or big part of the internet to exist in, just everyone needs to think long and hard about what they really want it to be like, because the actions you take or that you don't take, that's going to dictate what existing there is going to be like for some people. That's so true. I think it's really important that action you don't take is what doesn't get highlighted enough in how to prevent harassment and just the general negativity in this fandom and other fandoms. Totally. Is seeing it, yeah, is seeing it and not acting or not, you know, recognizing and telling others that this is not okay. Mm-hmm. I've, uh, I've been working on a video that I really, really regret. I've not had time to complete in a more timely manner, but um, I've, this basically is a topic that uh, I've been trying to address. And uh, it, I am really sick of seeing uh, how little people um, say, hey, uh, this is not cool, and I need to speak up and say that it's not cool. And I'll hear little, like, little whispers and like be taken aside to private chat and say, hey, I saw that this thing happened. Boy, that sure isn't cool, is it? Okay, well, great. Well, why is nobody talking about it why is nobody saying hey the thing you did that wasn't cool it's not cool and it's not welcome here take it and and get out of this community um and instead it's allowed to continue and it's allowed to fester and not only that but um when we bring up concerns uh those concerns they feel like they're just shrugged off like it it Mm -hmm. doesn't even matter that oh are you uncomfortable about this thing well, guess you just gotta deal with it. 
Um, and people don't want to speak up. I think there's a, a, a fair number of people that um, maybe they're even prominent within the community and they see bad things happening right in front of their eyes directly to, to women that they've interacted with before. And um, I feel like um, in Tokusatsu, because the community is still kind of small, you know, um, people are still like climbing over each other to like get to the top and still be like the king of this community. Like, like people fight each other for notoriety in the mm -hmm. community too. And mm -hmm. if they speak up about a given topic that is difficult to talk about, then it's them potentially rocking the boat and like losing I don't know, it, it, they might not get invited to a podcast, or they might not get to go to Power Morphicon, or something like that. And I'm just like, yo, that's not cool. Like, if if you have a platform, and you can use it to better the community, when we're talking about, this is a uh, community full of heroes, full of allies of justice, uh, self-proclaimed allies of justice, and this is a topic that will continually come up over and over and over again in the media that we consume, and you're just gonna be like, I like toys, and I like cool costumes and explosions. Um... I guess you're allowed, but you could sure be using your power and influence for something a lot better that's going to grow our community in a much bigger and better direction. Yeah, and I can understand if it's a safety issue, where they mm -hmm. don't feel mm -hmm. safe to bring it up. And I know that happens to a lot of women in this fandom. It doesn't feel safe to bring up certain issues. And I've certainly experienced that personally, bringing up different issues that are controversial sure where it's definitely right. made me not feel safe because of messages i would receive or comments or etc but yeah. if that is not the issue and the sole fact it comes down to that you're just ignoring it because you don't want to ruin your reputation or you know miss out on opportunities to be on a podcast or whatever i don't think that's fair to how this community should be curated and sh how it should grow into a more mature community. It's not fair. Right. I think a lot of mm -hmm. men have uh, seen things happen to women and they will agree, boy, that sure was crappy. And then they, they don't act as allies for us. You know, they don't kind of step in and fill in the gap. Um, now, now, that's not to right. say that it never happens. I actually have seen some dudes step in and say, yo, what you did here was not so cool. Then those guys get labeled as white knights, um, mm, yeah. which is that's kind of not point. fair to them either. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. uh, they saw something that was shitty and they said something. It had nothing to do with, this is a girl that I like on the internet. I've it, it, They just legitimately saw something that is not cool, but, mm -hmm. you know, you'll get labeled as a white knight or, or a kiss-ass or, or whatever. But I think if more people of all types actually opened up and said when they saw something that wasn't okay, then it, it shines a light on, uh, like, like, if there's roaches in a kitchen and you turn the light on, the roaches run away. So you shine a light on, on the bad stuff in the community, like, they might not totally disappear, but they're at least going to go run and hide in the shadows and not dick with you yes. nearly as much.
Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, you bring up such an interesting point within white knighting because like it used to be that, and still to a certain extent is that if you brought up something bad that was happening to you, then you were just whining about it. But if someone else agreed with you and spoke up on your behalf, well, then it must be true because it's not affecting those people. But now if someone who it's not happening to says speaks up on behalf of somebody else and says, no, you shouldn't talk to that person that way. That's really, you know, fucking psychotic or rude or whatever. And people just, oh, what are you, some SJW, some white knight? Mm. Like, like, there's no winning it for some with some people if they're just that determined to be trolls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's hard to deal with. And those types of people, like, if if nothing can be said to them, if no one can say anything to them to make them realize that their behavior is unacceptable, then they're just never going to learn. And yeah, those people do need to have a light show shot on them. And to just be continuously called out on it so that there's no corner for them to hide in. Like, and that, and that may sound really harsh, but like when it comes down to, you know, telling people like your opinion sucks, go kill yourself. Like, why are you on this platform? Blah, blah, blah. Like that's not good person behavior. That's not someone that you want dictating what gets said in your community and they should be edged out. And not to say that they can't love the same things that other people love. They're going to like whatever they like. They're human beings with complex, intricate lives, as we've stated over and over again. But, like, at a certain point, like, we have to draw the line of who we choose to be around. Mm-hmm. The thing is, if you don't deplatform trolling, as soon as it's very yes. clear this person isn't misguided or naive or under a misap, no, they're just straight up trolling... If you don't deplatform it, then that's all you will have. Exactly. Now, some people enjoy trolling and they'll go to forums just to troll and be trolled. And if you're into that, cool. You don't want that to be like the main fandom discussion hub. You don't want yeah. that to be like yeah. uh, your website's only forum, uh, the, the place everyone has to go to get news. Uh, that will have second and third order effects that are just bad for everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that circles back to the conversation of having proper moderation and kind of this idea. There's there's a mixed bag when it comes to what people believe is moderating harassment and what's quote unquote censoring it, you know, because right. free speech and et cetera. But if you actually look, I, I say this every time, if you look at the amendment, you would know that if you're saying something hateful, that's not covered under free speech. And we have the right as a form moderator, as a group moderator, whatever, to get rid of it. So people know that this is not acceptable. Right. And right. It also on, on top of that, um, it, it depends on the platform, too, because any, any platform or place of business has the right to control their, uh, their community and what is and is not said on their platform. Uh, so Mm -hmm. yeah, you can shout into the air in your own free time out in the world, these certain things. But if you're standing, I don't know, at an IHOP and shouting like obscenities and racial slurs and stuff, that IHOP is going to be like, Hey, not here, asshole. And get rid of you. So to to say that um, maybe a Facebook community or a forum or or some other platform 
they're stopping my freedom of speech. No, they they are allowed to make that judgment call. Don't get mad at them for making that judgment yeah. call. Well, and like freedom of speech on the internet, speaking as someone who spent the past 25 years of her life on the internet, people really obsessed with that. It correlates really highly to people who want to use lots of racial slurs constantly yep. or who want to exchange a lot of uh, child pornography yep. in as public a place as possible. So, you know, when I hear people start bringing that up, I just get immediately suspicious. Like, I can't yeah. remember the last, like, completely honest and above-board argument about free speech I saw on the internet. It just... There was, oh man, there was actually an internet law about this at one point. It was kind of like Godwin's Law, but not as well known. Yeah, just from people who saw this happen over and over again and got sick of it. Uh, your right to free expression, it does mean there's somewhere on the internet you can do things that are repugnant but aren't illegal. It doesn't mean you get to do it in this place on the internet, because mm -hmm. the entire yeah. internet's privately owned. Yeah, that yep. you're right. You're absolutely right. I think this brings up a great point of if you want to be an ally to women or people like minorities in tokusatsu that you see facing harassment, facing discrimination, you have to not be afraid to moderate the community that you're providing if you are providing one. You know, anybody that runs a Facebook group, anybody that runs a, a form, don't be afraid to moderate and actually take out people who are harassing, who are creating so much negativity that it makes it unsafe for other people besides your own kind to be in. It's just such a shame that not necessarily all of the toku community, especially if you look at various Facebook groups, unfortunately, they haven't taken that to heart yet. Right. Yeah, I don't. I, I straight up don't get how y'all do this fandom on Facebook. I glanced <laughs> in once and I was like, dear God. It's like, you know, if you've seen the uh, Indiana Jones where they like behold the grail and all the Nazis start melting, I felt <laughs> like I would do that in any second. I was just like, ugh. And I mean, I came I came up in like on like 4chan in the moot days, like oh, really yeah. early on. I didn't use it regularly, but I, you know, I could read a thread and not die. <laughs> and it's like, man, I cannot do Facebook. Yeah, that's that's a particular platform that us, I can I can talk to so many women of, that are into tokusatsu that we specifically say Facebook is a platform we don't feel safe in mm -hmm. because a lot of the yeah. groups that talk about tokusatsu are not moderated in For any sure. way, shape, or form. Kudos to those who are. I really do appreciate the groups that do moderate. But there are a lot of groups where you see men posting, you know, like the gravier sets of you know, the actresses being like, oh my god, she's so fucking hot, I would do this and this to her. Or you see all these disgusting shit posts about, like, mm -hmm. alright, this is really obscene and I apologize to anybody, but the last really horrible shit post I saw was, like, calling Poppy a cum bucket or something like that. Oh, and I was Lord. like, are you kidding me? That's just gross. I know. I was like, this is horrible. This is why women and other people that are sensible don't want to join the fandom. So you have to be willing to strike the ban hammer, strike that down, and realize that this isn't about you censoring them, or this isn't about them having freedom of speech. This is about making a community that's safe for everybody. I also, I'm just gonna say right now, I can't wait for some of the comments. 
that are just going to be all over this podcast. Oh, yeah, they're they're going to totally accuse excited. us of, of the worst kind of feminism when all we're really asking oh, yeah. for is, hey, can we just be safe in the community for the piece of media that we enjoy? Is that, yeah. Why is that and so much And have some representation. <laughs> yeah, that's really, honestly all we're asking this isn't like their equal representation and to feel safe they confuse mm-hmm. it for us asking to dominate the the Mm-mm. the community which is yes. like not what we're asking for at all just no, just exactly. equivalent treatment I, I, we want something that is equivalent not to be not to be better than anybody just to not be less than anybody that's all yeah yeah well all right, I'll end it with the final last question, which I'm sure we could all go on about. <laughs> but now that we've talked about like how we can improve our tokusatsu fandom community, at least the Western side of it, from our perspectives, how do we think tokusatsu in general can improve to when it comes to writing female characters? What can we do? Or I guess it's not what can we do, but what can the companies do? To write them better, to have better Hire stories, more women mm, writers. Sure. Yeah, that's definitely a no-brainer. Because the ones that they do bring on, the women writers and directors, oh my god, they always do such a so fantastic good. job. At least from what I've seen. Of course, not everybody's right. perfect, but mm-hmm. man, that that answer's so good. Like I'm trying to think of a, a, a another thing to add to that, and. That was just a good mean, answer. It's pretty comprehensive. Like <laughs> you want to write realistic stories about women that people can relate to and understand? Weird thing. How about you hire some women because they understand what it's like to be a woman <laughs> and then they can write realistically about it and then you have a good show. <laughs> Who would have known? I just keep coming back to the idea of if you're going to put a female character in your show like at all, have her do things. Yes. This, this this is all I ask. Just have her matter at some mm-hmm. point. Or Absolutely. Don't, don't jerk. Like, in general, it's not good writing to have a bunch of characters in your thing that don't matter. But it, it, when, like, you've heavily promoted this character, the, oh, check out our female lead, check out our, our team member or whatever, and then she never does anything, you just feel kind of jerked around. Mm-hmm. So just maybe don't don't do that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that is such a low bar to set, but it's <laughs> absolutely true. Like, that kind of reminds me of Mari from Fies, because when that, like, Fies was getting introduced, she was definitely, like, this bait-and-switch, where she very much, from the first episode, looked like she was going to be Fies, because she had the Oh, man, have you seen the uh, the CM with her? Yes. The uh, pre-airing? Yes. Mm. Oh, people were so mad when the first episode aired after that. I totally understand, because that bait-and-switch is just so brutal. It was awful. I know. Ever ever since then, I have taken a pretty, maybe a harsher stance with Toei concerning Ryder, because one, they don't do this in Sentai. They, Mm -hmm. They never did it in Metal Hero. They made an entire line of, like, magical girl henshin heroine shows Mm -hmm. in live action for girls where they did not do this. And, like, they they rift-backed on it in, like, the fourth year of hey, They know what they're doing. This is intentional. Someone views it as part of the formula. I don't know why. It's, I mean, I think it would be fair to say for some people it's a part of the formula they don't care about either way. I don't think anyone likes it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's a bunch of dudes like those Star Wars trolls waiting in the wings going just like, 
<laughs> minute a woman does something right or I mean no. interestingly enough um I feel I can't help but feel like I've seen a lot of men be like man that woman sure was useless like like even <laughs> right? they're like I I feel like this is a really common thing that people want is is a, a woman that doesn't just stand there looking wistfully in the direction of uh, the hero, um, not necessarily mm-hmm. as a love interest, but like, I'm so concerned about his safety and well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody wants that. That's not a- exciting or interesting in any way. Even dudes that aren't thinking about feminism are just like, that's just not a well-written character, man. <laughs> yes, yeah, no, for, for years and years, a top ask for male fans has been, well, Ryder's good, but I I wish we could have a woman. And there's like, yeah, I hope she'd, she'd be really hot. She could be the secondary oh. writer. It's like, clearly there is, there is some demand for this in whatever form they opted to do it. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's just a weird thing they do in Ryder. And I don't really know why they do it, except for maybe historical reasons. <laughs> and no one likes it, but... By God, they've done it for 20 years and they're going to keep at it. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like Ryder is very unique in that way. Like, Sentai has its own challenges and other tokusatsu shows like Ultraman and Garo, they have their own issues with how they portray women. However, Ryder is definitely very unique in staying the course that they have ever since they introduced Tackle. So it's just crazy. Yeah. I certainly agree Garo has some issues. I think Ultraman deserves a little more credit than it gets. True. For like, I mean, way before it was established as a safe thing, they're just like, well, the Science Patrol should have a girl on it. Right. And I think like, yeah, and I think like there was a woman who was becoming, well, like she was half of an Ultra. And this is like before the 70s are over. We still don't have a good like main female Ultra, but I totally agree that Ultraman is more progressive. We haven't had a main protagonist yet. We've had some pretty good secondaries. Had some good moms. Some good moms. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm also just like, we've also had like a female hosts of ultras who were ungendered or you might think were male. Yeah. I mean, but we're still like pretty in, in I mean, I don't know. My opinion is that Ultraman's a weird alien and the ultras can look like whatever they want. Uh, so, you know, I'm just like, oh, is it a good character? Good. I'm down for it. Right. Uh, no, like, we haven't passed the protagonist line yet, but mm-hmm. I think, I feel like Ultra has done almost everything short of that. Yeah. And I, like, if someone's going to cross the protagonist line first, I actually think it might be Ultra. Because uh, Ultra is a little bit more willing to experiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think it does come down to, like, being willing to experiment. Because it, it's clearly paying off for the Ultra series. Because we've seen a lot of great female characters, specifically in that series. Yeah, Like, the first one I can think of is Koyomi from Ultraman Mabius. I love her so much. Because she does, you know, she was a kindergarten teacher, so she has that soft side. But she is incredibly intelligent. And there's so many characters like that in the whole entire series. So I, I just feel like Sentai and Ryder just don't experiment as much as they could. Right. I could go on and on about how much I love Kyo Yomi, though. <laughs> she's me. fun. I, she's I, a lot of fun. I know. She's so great. I love her so much. But it's just, I agree. I think it comes down to having more female writers, writers and writers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being able to experiment is definitely a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else we can think of on how 
tokusatsu can improve with the way it portrays female characters. Not really. I feel like it's not it's not that hard. It's not as hard or complicated as people make it out to be. The answers are actually pretty simple and they kind of just need to learn to suck it up and do it. I think if they <laughs> uh, we kind of we kind of talked about it already that uh it could be marketed better towards women and I think if they marketed better towards women then they would see, oh, maybe we really do need to write for them too. Like, you would just see it in toy sales, and when you see women are buying toys, then maybe, just maybe, they'd be like, oh, we should cater to the people who are buying the toys. Yeah, and I think a lot of the fandom, the reason some of them disagree is because the target audience is young boys, and some people have this weird perception that apparently women can't be role models to young boys, like the, the men in, you know, these shows can be. And I 100% disagree with that. There's so many good shows out there that have been targeted to young men, but do have fantastic role models that are women. I kind of want to throw, I want to throw this out here also before we wrap up that uh, there's Mm -hmm. a common misconception that specifically common writer is uh, marketed not towards just young boys, but also to school-age boys and uh, teenagers and kind of skewed, aged up. Uh, that is totally incorrect. I know that t- that Common Writer is very, very cool. And you know what? You just have to accept that we're adults and we are watching a children's television show. <laughs> that's That's just what the truth of the matter is. And, like... I'm doing it, so I'm not going to shame other people that are also doing it, because I I think it's cool, and I think it can be a family-enjoyed show. That having been said, if you really want to push that hard, that it's also aimed at teenagers or or people older than that, which it isn't, then how much farther of a stretch is it to just accept that women might also like this show? Come on now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not wrong, because at least the superhero Time Black is targeted towards family in Mm -hmm. general. I mean, the mom is watching these shows, too. Are you kidding me? Every time I've ever gone to the G. Rosso Sentai stage shows, the moms are always there. Oh, yeah. You know, sometimes they like it a lot, too. Like, for whatever reason, they really like it, too. And they have a lot of fun at those shows. It's so great to see. So it's, it's a whole family thing. I mean, how do you think those kids got in there in the first place? They did not go in there alone, these little three no. to five-year-olds. Um, <laughs> they, they did not go in there without their parents. Yeah, we went to a G. Rosso stage show, too. We saw Nin Ninja, and oh, yeah. uh, that was, oh, that was an amazing experience. But, like, half that audience is adults. Um, granted, they're, mm-hmm. they're not all doing the Nin Ninja dance like we strange foreigners were doing. But they're there. They know what's going on because they have to know because when you're a parent, you have to know. Um, so, yes, yeah. that includes moms. And moms typically are women. So, uh, yeah, we're here, guys. Yeah, no, it's just it's it's one of those things that there is technically not just one audience for tokusatsu. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think the shows are very limited in the way all the characters are portrayed in some shows. Not just women, but all different types of characters are still very stereotyped. But I think if Toei and Subaraya, though Subaraya does it a lot better, um, 
can recognize that there's not just one audience that's going to buy your toys, for Christ's sake, Mm -hmm. that maybe we can make progress. All right, I could go on for, like, another hour about (laughs) this subject, and I'm sure you all could, too. We're already at two and a half, though. Yep. So. (laughs) Kind of crazy, I have to admit. But we were were pretty passionate about this. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you guys have any final thoughts? I think we all got our thoughts out then. Oh, yeah. Please watch Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon oh, if yeah, you have it. It's really Sailor good. They... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Also, Tokusatsu, we love you. Aim even higher. Yes. Yeah, don't get don't get us wrong, is we do love Tokusatsu. And we do and love that's the, why we care so much. Yeah, and we do love the good parts of the community, but we know it can be better. And that's what this discussion is for. And to hopefully get a, a further discussion outside of this podcast to have the whole community talking, saying, Okay, what can we do better? So Yeah. All, all right. right. Well, Thank you so much. I had a wonderful time talking with all of you, and I appreciate all of you for everything you all have done in the fandom. Thank you. Little or big or anything in between. So this is the end of the 41st episode of the Tokenet Podcast. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Please, please have a good time watching these shows. Bye. 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 Good night, Internet. (laughs) The Tokenet Podcast is the official podcast of the Tokusatsu Network, your best resource for official Tokusatsu news and media. If you like our podcast, please rate and review us on your favorite podcasting platform, such as iTunes or Stitcher. It helps other Tokusatsu fans find us, and it really does help out the show. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash tokenet, where, if you're at the Common Rider level, you can get early access to this episode and our future podcast episodes, plus extra rewards. Team Tokenet will always be online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and of course, our website, tokusatsunetwork.com. Network.com.